0: of Norm D.F.M., the Last of Us edition. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, alongside Kenneth Shepard. Ken, how you doing this week?
1: It's fucking an exhausting week to be a Last of Us fan, I'll tell you that right now.
0: We 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 have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to discuss. More uh, than we not... have
1: ever expected to have to talk about on the episode about Billstown.
0: Yeah, yeah. We are doing Billstown today, and for those of you who are tuning in, we are... At the very end of this episode, going to talk about uh, the news that came out this week that is Last of Us related. Uh, but before we get to that, we will have a guest on to chat all of this with us too. Because Moises Tavares is here. Moises, how you doing today?
2: I am good. How are y'all doing?
0: Alive.
1: <laughs> <Vibin'>. <laughs>
2: Alive is generally how I've been like catching up my friends who haven't heard from me in the last. Mm. 13 months for some weird reason so so Mm -hmm. i get it i
1: mean we gotta gotta get the bare minimum in the middle of pandemic so pretty much
0: almost at the end of like knock on wood here but i mean just the fact that vaccinations and stuff exist right now is is heartening you know Mm -hmm. that we were talking before we hit record on this podcast about the idea of like going to live concerts and being in places where people are and paying for overpriced beers again. Yeah. <laughs> so. like I,
2: I I, attended my first virtual concert last night, actually. Um, and I would like stuff like that to exist more because it was kind of cool. And for $15, I'm not going to complain. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to a friend about it uh, as I was at the virtual concert. And like we were pretty much of the mind that like, yeah i i like we still miss like pits and like being sweaty and around people Mm -hmm. and and yeah i would pay a lot of money for super overpriced really bad beer uh (laughs) just so long as i can be around people again
0: uh if you don't mind me asking how did you attend this virtual concert because the first one i went to was actually way back at the beginning of the pandemic And it was, like, a charity concert that was hosted in Minecraft and was headlined by, like, American Football. And there's some other, like, smaller uh, musicians there, like Hana. And um, I forget who else was there all of a sudden. But uh, that was super weird because it was like you were interacting in Minecraft. And they did a lot of stuff to, like, build not just a venue, but, like, little areas that you could explore and, like, mini games you could do on the side. But, like it was kind of weird because it was basically like everyone was group listening to an MP3. almost, (laughs) And, and like, uh, it, it's still like, it still kind of hit me in the gut a little bit because that was kind of the moment where I had to like make my peace with what was going on because Mm. I was sitting there and I was like, this is what it's going to be like for a little while. But, um, I'm interested in what your virtual concert experience was like compared to like just hitting space bar to watch my dude jump around in the pit in Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: so so much much tamer than uh than mashing on the space bar for sure. Um it was it was fine. Uh I I've been recently using uh, AirPlay on my MacBook to to like occasionally watch something that i that i found like on a browser or something like on the tv and it didn't work yesterday it decided to suddenly stop working the one day i could really use it so i just enjoyed it like on my laptop sitting down at my dinner table um which not the best way i guess to experience a concert but was fine overall just because the production on it was like, it, w- it wasn't a live show. It was, it was mm-hmm. pre-recorded. There were mm-hmm. transitions. There were, like, different stages, I guess. Um, and so, like, all of that sort of made it a much more, like, genuinely cinematic experience. It felt more like watching a movie of my favorite mm. artist rather than a concert. But they were still obviously performing. Um, so... On, on that front, like, I at least appreciated that the production made it a lot smoother because I had heard about past virtual concerts that weren't exactly great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know that people have been trying to host all kinds of things on Zooms, like weddings or, or I don't know, bridal parties or, or stuff like that. And, like, I know it doesn't always go well. So I appreciated this, and it was, yeah. it was pretty good, but also I remember the last time I saw these guys and I was jumping around in a pit mm-hmm. and it was the best time of my life and so I'd rather have that
1: who uh, who was it
2: uh it was a it was a boy band called Brockhampton I don't know mm. if y'all have heard oh of them. yeah yeah I've heard. yeah yeah they're 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 from Texas so you know shout out <laughs> shout out to to y'all um, but yeah they're uh they, they just released their their newest record and they decided to do a live show to like launch it it was it was pretty good
1: yeah the only uh virtual concert i went through through the entire past year was uh in december i paid it was basically like full ticket price for uh john bellion and the the Mm. the thing that they were saying was like we this is for the band that can literally not work and it's like that's why we're paying full price and i was like you know what that's valid i'll do it but the thing that got to me was like the the show is no longer online so like it was like a real concert and then like I, I experienced it once and that's kind of it but also like artificial digital scarcity is bullshit and i hope that he posts that someday on youtube or some shit like a mm-hmm. couple months down the line
2: yeah i'm i'm wondering if the concert i attended last night will be made available in any way in the future i we didn't get like a vod so mm. oh. it's presumably gone unless they decide to upload it themselves though I also imagine that people like ripped it and it's online in some capacity somewhere, but I'd rather like be online in an official way. Um, you know, and I, and I, I wouldn't even mind paying again because I paid so little for this one. I paid like Mm. 15 bucks for the show. Mm -hmm. So it's fine by me.
0: If you want to watch the Minecraft concert I attended, you just, you know, YouTube search open pit American football and you're going (laughs) to find it right there. Um, yeah it's it's so weird to go through all this stuff um which has nothing to do with the last of us but it's all uh just fascinating as part of it because
2: last of us is a post-pandemic life and Mm -hmm. we're just you know this is just year one of Mm -hmm. the 20-year path to get to where joel and ellie are
0: you're right Mm. you're right that that's haunting but you're right (laughs) (laughs) um before we get into the nitty-gritty of the content Moises uh where would people know your work from you know what would you be known for and also uh what kind of got you into Last of Us
2: so um people might know me from when I was blogging about games a lot a few years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I started up my own blog that got some like a tiny bit of attention, and so I ended up uh, joining up with these guys at a at a small site called OK Beast. Um, mm-hmm. You, uh, Eric, you 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 play Valorant regularly with one of the guys who uh, <laughs> who was there, Alex Van Aken. Mm-hmm. Um, And, yeah, I, uh, I was their main, like, writer for a time. And then probably about two years ago now, I was kind of a little worn out from school and that, and I, I, like, pumped the brakes on it and went to be a normal college student for, for, like, a year or so. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then this year I sort of made my way back into games journalism by, uh, by becoming an intern at Paste in the game section.
0: Hell uh, yeah!
2: Yeah, so I've been I've been trucking away there for a few months now. I got about a month left on my internship, and then I'm looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I've been doing pretty much daily news there uh, every week since early January. Um, the occasional feature some contributions in other places. Um, And so that's where people probably know me from. Uh, And The Last of Us, I was a huge fan of The Last of Us when it came out. I think I was probably 16 when it came out in in 2013. Mm -hmm. Youth. Yeah, so I was a baby. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I I might be the youngest person you guys have had on your shows, maybe.
0: That that is... That Trumple. tracks, I
3: think. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I I know Natalie's probably been on one of one or two or three of these. Four um, dozen, something like that. Yeah, and I think she's got like a year on me. So yeah, I think I'm the new baby to round out the <laughs> lot. Um, and yeah, I I distinctly remember uploading a picture to Instagram of the case <laughs> when I bought mm. it. It wasn't a special case; it was just the normal case. I was just really excited um and then i turned off all the lights i propped up a chair in front of my tv that i found out like a few years ago didn't even go up to 1080p it actually only went up to 720p so i never (laughs) even got like the full experience um and i marathoned the game probably for for the weekend that it came out it went on to become like one of my favorite games ever Um, and I would still say it is, though, like, I think the luster there has kind of worn off. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily think anything bad about the game, uh, in the almost decades since, but some of my ideas and thoughts about it have, like, changed over time as I've played more games, I guess, Mm -hmm. and seen the effect that this game has had on games since, um, and, and that's, that's my history with, uh, The Last of Us. Oh, I also played the, f- like, a fuck ton of, uh, uh, factions. Mm-hmm. The factions multiplayer. uh uh-huh. Probably one of the best multiplayers I've, I've ever played in a game, to be completely honest. So, so, you know, if anybody wants to get on that and play with me after this goes live, <laughs> maybe.
0: We're going to wait I- for the new one to come out. Yeah, I, I mean, think we're going to be things? talking about factions later in this one.
2: <laughs> mm, mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Um,
0: but, yeah, it's. I'm, I'm glad you brought up like the effect that this game has had on games since, because I feel like, especially playing this segment, specifically Bill's Town, um, I was thinking a lot about that because it was. there were so many moments where I was like, oh, yeah, I can tell Like these are some very video game ideas that it has going on. But some of the you know some of them were like these are very traditional video game ideas, and then other ones were like, this is kind of stuff that a lot of games have done themselves now, like post Last of Us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I also like, I over the last couple episodes, uh, I have been talking about how I've been going up and down with this game, and I've kind of been trying to figure out you know what it is and where its hooks are and why it grabs people. And I think Billstown is where it clicked for me. Like where it really, truly, like I I saw this for what it was. I feel like this is this is the moment where Naughty Dog kind of said like laid the cards on the table and said like this is this is the game we're making. Like this is what we're doing. Um, everything before it weirdly now that I think, it, especially in retrospect, almost feels like prologue. Like right. like stage setting. Uh, even the stuff with Tess um that we that we just got through last week as as interesting and emotional as it was it feels weirdly prologue just because the game is now going to pivot so hard into being joel and ellie like just narrowing in on these characters and i feel like bill's town does a good job in establishing that dynamic um but we're off to bills (laughs) uh we we start the the segment out by going through the woods um and uh having little discussions with Ellie like we've been having although now they're kind of I feel like there's a kind of awkwardness after the way that our last episode ended with Joel just kind of like laying down the law and being like hey mm-hmm. this you got to listen to me like this is what's got to happen um but Ellie's still trying to keep things a little jovial um they do address why they're not going back to Boston and not going back to Marlene uh which Joel basically saying like look it's Marlene we don't know if she even made it. And also, like, it's <laughs> getting back into Boston is not likely to happen. So obviously we're still on our way to uh, Tommy's place instead. Uh, we do get a new game mechanic and one that I'm going to admit I did not start using until much later in this uh, segment. It's, I, I don't think I, like, properly appreciated how good upgrading a melee weapon is. Mm-hmm. Because when, mm, no, when they introduce it, they're like, oh, hey, you can upgrade a melee weapon. And I looked at it, and I was like, okay, cool. I can use a bunch of resources to turn a club that would normally be able to, like, take out maybe a couple runners uh, into something that will just instantly kill one runner, but it's going to break eventually. I'm, I'm somebody who, like, I don't like things that break after X number of uses, because to me, that mm-hmm. puts a timer on it. Um, so you just
2: you hated Breath of the Wild, huh? No, see that's that's the core <laughs>
0: difference. This is the core difference. When everything breaks, now I have to work within that system. But if you have a okay. system where I can either use something that's slightly more powerful, but will eventually break. Or I can just use the basic tool that never breaks. I'm going to want to use the basic tool that never breaks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because to me, that makes the most economical sense. And those resources that I'm putting into something will eventually be lost. I can put them towards something else. So in my mind, I was like, I'll just make shivs. Shivs seem useful. Why would I not use those? Um, So when I started out here, I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Melee upgrades. By the end of this uh, segment, like getting... Like finding a a bat or or whatever, like a two by four that I could turn into something when I knew I was going into an area with a lot of runners or something like that. Oh my god, lifesaver in some situations.
1: Yeah, and yeah I, I would absolutely not gotten through seventy so seconds if I hadn't had a, a melee upgrade.
2: Yeah, I I honestly I um I've I've played through this game a few times now. I I played it when it came out and I played it on normal. Mm -hmm. And I played it on, when it remastered, I think I played it on Normal again before then doing the stupidest thing imaginable and ratcheting it all the way up to Grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, in the spirit of complete transparency, I finished Bill's Town section maybe a few hours before we we recorded now.
1: Valid. Valid. I uh, I finished things like hours before we started to
2: yeah um, and and now I'm playing through it on hard and especially on hard and on grounded it kind of becomes essential to really play with everything that the game sort of lays out mm-hmm. for its survival mechanics especially including uh, in, in, like upgrading your, your melee weapons like that mm-hmm. cause, cause the, the thing that also becomes really apparent later on in this section is that like some of the AI, especially on some of the higher difficulties, um, is just a little wacky. Like mm-hmm. it just kind of doesn't make just the least bit of sense in a way that kind of makes situations blow up in your face. And when it does, it's really handy, not just to have a bat, but a bat with broken scissors at the end of it for like a one hit kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. so yes, it, it's definitely a thing that you learn to appreciate and definitely a thing that I think you learn to appreciate here because like yeah. you kind of said already, uh, a lot of the stuff before Bill's Town does feel like a prologue. I, I genuinely do consider it a prologue. I, I know that there's a, a technical one, which is all the mm-hmm. stuff before uh, the 20-year time jump. But a lot of the things and, and really a lot of the characters like they kind of fade out of the last of us at this point and it does really just hone in on these two Mm. um and so like when the game chooses to literally just narrow its focus all the way down to them um i think it also like widens the scope of the things that you can do it widens like the scope of your your tools um it widens the scope of the spaces everything sort of widens in a way that really makes the game settle into the rhythm and, like, place that it's going to mostly deal with for the rest of the game and mm. sort of the series.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was especially noticing it, just, like, this section was the point where it, like, it was introducing a lot of stuff, but I still felt, like, despite the fact I was being given all these other resources or, and different or different ways to use resources, rather, I was still pretty much held, like holding to whatever I could find in the moment because like I even like when, when the section started when we were in the woods with Ellie I was already realizing like oh I don't have much on me right now like, I really did use basically everything I had at my disposal to get out of Boston um so I like even points later where we'll start like you know focusing on like upgrading weapons and kind of like specing Joel in certain ways um I still felt like I was having to be like very versatile like very uh, able to like kind of adapt to whatever was around me um In a way that, I don't know if the game can maintain the entire way, because eventually those upgrades do have to start, like, uh, ushering you to, like, a higher level of uh, capability, but here especially, I was like, they're doing a really good job of making me feel like I am fucking, like, scrambling and trying to find something that's going to get me through the next room.
2: I, I, I have a question. Are you guys playing on higher difficulties as well?
0: Oh, no, no. I'm playing on no. normal. Yeah, uh, normal. I wanted the normal because exp- this is my first time actually playing it, so I wanted yeah. that, like, normal experience.
2: Yeah, on, uh, uh I, I don't know if you know this then, Eric, since it's, like, your first time playing, but on, on harder difficulties, it actually makes resources super, mm. super scarce to the point where on Grounded, you basically find nothing ninety percent of the time actually yep. Yikes. Um, and yeah even on hard going through Bill's town there's a lot of scrounging um, mm-hmm. and especially when we when we sort of get to the the first more open area in a little bit here after the woods um, and you can do like more exploring uh, because you're so low on resources like you can't access things and um, and it, it it starts feeling like a proper survival game and that like your decisions do feed into uh not narrative choices but gameplay choices mm-hmm. that you'll mm-hmm. kind of have to 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 make and deal with um as as the game goes on uh and so yeah just all of this to say basically that like this is where like mechanically the game starts really solidifying in a way that I I appreciated then and like revisiting it now like still still feels good still feels true um, mm. and like actually stands up in a way that sometimes this game doesn't
3: yeah
2: uh, which I know you guys have gotten into uh, as you've talked about like how it doesn't stand up as a shooter sometimes or you know whether the stealth is good or not
0: mm. I think it gets better here I mean we'll, we'll get deeper into this I think once we get to to later sections of this uh once we're kind of doing what we need to do in this town to to get the car that we need to get out of here because that's kind of the goal here is that uh as as joel mentions as we finally get into the town um we're we're trying to get a car from from bill so we can get on the road and um and and get to tommy's place uh but as we also learn uh when ellie asks you know where does bill live and all that and joel has no idea uh we quickly get the sense that joel maybe does not know as much about bill's town as as even we the player were led to believe Mm. (laughs) walking into it um which i think is kind of a moment where like i tensed up a little bit more like just reflexively i was like because again that's one of the weirder parts about this game i feel is that as a player we are in control of Joel, but we're supposed to be seeing it through the eyes of Ellie, almost. Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of mm-hmm. see the the world and interpret the world the way Ellie does, which is a lot of this is new to us. A lot of it, is, like, we don't really know. And we're playing the character who is supposed to theoretically know everything. But even we're learning, like, the dude we're controlling doesn't know shit about the town that we're walking him into. And it's... Um yeah. kind of a weird little bit of friction there that I like where I had a moment where I was like I wanted to almost like talk to Joel and be like, wait, what the fuck you mean, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, does this dude actually owe us a favor? Are we about to rob a dude? You have to tell me if we're about to rob a dude. <laughs> that's it's a very different tenor to this conversation <laughs> that I thought we were going to have. Um But uh one of my favorite parts here as as we start to move through the town um actually two parts that that really stuck with me uh even after playing uh, the first one is uh as you're kind of moving around the initial town area picking stuff up trying to figure out a way to get deeper in all of a sudden i heard a noise and i was like oh what the fuck was that and i realized it was ellie and mm-hmm. ellie was trying to whistle <laughs> and um i was like and and they had this whole conversation where joel's like you don't know how to whistle and stuff like that and um, I know that that becomes a thing, that that kind of becomes a running little quip thing that runs throughout the game, and I think this is just, like, the start of it, um, but, man, that
1: got me the first time where I was like, what the <laughs> I, fuck was that noise? <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was in, like, a more, uh, like, it was before we even, like, got into the, c- the city proper, there, was, there were a couple clickers around, and then, like, did not have the uh, materials to take them out. So, like, I was still kind of sneaking around because I didn't know what was gonna be there, but like I guess the game realized I was in a safe place before I did, and thus Ellie like you know started to do one of her little quips here. And i was like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah. Ellie with that chaotic it, energy, trying to learn how to whistle in an area full <laughs> of clickers. <laughs> it's
2: it's funny that she does that, uh, because like also the AI just isn't like all that good mm-hmm. in in this game and so like they'll they'll frequently also just collide with things a lot Mm -hmm. um and so when you get into one of the shops uh like down near the end of the the first like big street you get to there's like a music store yeah yeah. and her her ai like just made her fucking mash into the drum kit yeah, and so, like, she yeah. knocked over the symbol and she scared the shit out of me, actually. <laughs> um, cause I thought that, cause sometimes The Last of Us plays with you by, like, making you think you're safe and then, you know, something will jump out of somewhere. Um, and, and I, I, having not played this game in a while, thought that, like, maybe there was a clicker there that I just forgot. And instead, it was just her, like, not even purposefully, but, like, just completely accidentally, like, setting things off. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just a funny coincidence, I guess, that, like, she also starts whistling in this section. Because you're not really expecting her to do that. And then, like, it, it, it does start to pay off as, like, a, a quippy thing that, like, they do back and forth as the relationship builds.
0: Yeah. And, and like, the other thing that, that gets established here is you get to adore... That they need to like unblock from the other side, and Ellie has to kind of talk Joel into convincing him that's a good idea to lift her over and and let mm-hmm. her unblock it from the other side. Yeah, um, which is kind of a you know, like I it it gets touched upon later, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that specific instance later, but like it is this moment where you're like, oh, that character is on a part of the game map that I can't reach if she's in trouble or anything like mm-hmm. that. And it is that little moment of like, oh, like it it was unsettling for me. Like we, we, oh no, we gotta, we gotta rectify this immediately. We can't have these two characters (laughs) separated by this door. Come on, hurry up, unblock it. Like there, there could be runners around or shit like that. Um, And I think it does a good job uh, through other parts in this of really emphasizing like the terror it feels when one of your characters is immobilized or in a different situation from the other one and you're having to not just worry about your own safety but like the safety of the other characters too. and i think that's how naughty dog really starts to like stress that feeling of of joel being like a protector of ellie in this mm-hmm. area is like they start to implement those little gameplay motions where you're not just having to worry about joel but like ellie becomes a danger as well a thing yeah, that you kind of worried and not about. and
2: not even just like establishes him as like a protector but sort of establishes that like despite how gruffy he is and how like mm-hmm. much of a veteran i guess he is of this world like it's still a frightening prospect to go through it alone mm-hmm. and so i think this is a very like overtly apocalyptic way like playing in the genre and the mechanics but like uh, ultimately a way of like getting around to like softening his character I guess a little bit Yeah. Um, and saying that like yeah you know like maybe he can make it alone but like also most people don't and and you know even whether it be his partner Tess who's no longer in the picture or whether it be this teenage girl who kind of reminds him of his Daughter from forever ago, like mm-hmm. he's he's a person who's often relied on somebody else being there with him, and he 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 naturally gravitates towards that dynamic rather than go it, like alone.
0: Hmm. I um. Yeah, yeah. Ken, did you have any thoughts about kind of the Joel Ellie relationship here? I, th- I see a little pin in your notes here.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I th- I feel like at the beginning like the very beginning of the of billstown section i don't know that like like there are moments where like that, that sort of like softness starts to kind of like creep out of joel but then like they're like they're they seem more deliberately antagonistic to each other in ways that are not like argumentative per se but like joel is very easily kind of annoyed at like how like kind of naive and maybe hopeful in places that Ellie is because like this point where like we're go if you're Searching through one of the hou- one of the houses, you can find a note that was left from somebody that was having to be like be pulled out during the uh, the evacuation of the town initially, and it was like Ellie will read it and be like, "Do you think they found each other?" And Joel's like, "How the hell am I supposed to know?" Like, like trying to like set these boundaries in ways that are m- maybe in line with like the no nonsense uh, laying the ground rules uh, conversation he had at the end of the last episode, but um, there's also like a bit of a so, so like there was a point where we read the sign about the evacuation and Ellie's uh, response to to like seeing that, like knowing that there were you know thousands of people that lived here at one point, they all had to get up and leave. Like her immediate reaction is, um, it must have sucked having to leave all their stuff behind. And then Joel's like, that's not the hard part. And then as you're walking through again, like she start, she calls the town quaint, and Joel's like that's one word to describe it and then she's like well what would you use to describe it and he says empty and so like there's like a at this point ellie feel can like her understanding of the world maybe feels a little like callous and dismissive but not in a way that i think is like outwardly malicious but i think it rubs up against the way that joel like still has this like is like still constantly in mourning of the, the way that life was and her having like a very kind of like low resolution underst- of understanding of what all of this means it's still at this point like they are kind of being pitted against each other at this point which i think when another character comes around and is maybe like more outwardly aggressive for relatively benign shit, uh maybe that kind of like gives joel a better perspective that like despite the fact that another character is being like fucking annoying like and awful to her in the grand scheme things like she is helping she's not like like she is being helpful she is mm-hmm. trying to do right by what we need to do is not being a burden and so i think it is an interesting tension that they have at the very beginning and like kind of seeing eventually like the, the very last scene of what today's, ep, today's episode is going to be like seeing them finally kind of get to it like a bit of like a mutual understanding um good shit I think.
0: yeah um as we proceed further into the town we do have some more gameplay stuff to encounter uh, obviously we get a sense that bill has established this town a little bit he's kind of got it controlled there's uh like different structures to block uh zombies from getting around zombies whatever you want to call them infected (laughs) and um there's there's also uh explosives that are set on a wire that we deal with a few times in this place and always manage to there's i never got caught by one but i definitely came really close at one point um Mm -hmm. to, to getting caught by one so i was like okay neat um
2: I think by the way that like the the sound work and the 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 visual yes. yeah. around those are really really strong um like i i have never really I, i've never been caught in one of them like in all the times that i've played through the last of us um but despite that when they go off there's a I I can't describe the visual effect and I can't really describe the sound effect either too much but like it always feels close Mm -hmm. even though I know I'm like a safe distance away from it like it's always really successfully communicated how dangerous it is and always Mm. makes me feel like maybe I'm right there and maybe it's going to actually hit me and so maybe I should actually be scared of it Um, yeah yeah. So just really, really good work on that. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. They uh, they also sound like kind of like scraped together. Like they don't yes, sound like a professionally yeah. like, professional, like military grade bomb. They sound like something that somebody put some fucking explosives and sharp things in a fucking can and just sat it where they did. So yeah.
0: yeah there's a real sound of like metal on metal that's like right. disconcerting, mm-hmm. and it's like when you, when you hear that, you can kind of feel like there's. There's a feel to the sound, if that makes sense. Of like, mm. you can hear how the metal punctures things, and it like instantly gives you that feeling of like friction, where you're like, "Oh, that could puncture me like that." <laughs> yeah. Um, I should stand a, back. <laughs>
2: oh, uh, also as a as as just a bit of a side note that that I, I won't I won't like elaborate too much, but in this section, there's also there's a there's an arcade cabinet
0: mm-hmm.
3: that you get
2: to, um, that um, sort of draws out some some details from like Ellie's past mm-hmm. in a way that like I it, it didn't immediately click with me. It's I, I I it's hard to touch on because it it is kind of. Uh, tied to something that you will experience much 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 later Um, but it's a it's a neat reference uh, to see so early on in the game um, that when you when you do finally get why like the cabinet clicks with her it's actually a really sweet tender and like kind of heart-wrenching thing actually Um, which is a weird relationship for like this girl who like was never around when, like, arcades were cool Mm -hmm. uh, or, like, a thing, right? Like, that she has this explicit relationship to this one. Um, You know, it it sort of helps draw out also, like, the idea that, like, you know, despite the fact that, like, the world as we knew it is gone, despite the fact that, like, these things won't ever probably be the same, like, we don't have to carelessly toss aside, like, the past. We don't have to carelessly toss aside this idea of, like, there being hope for anything or like that there can be anything more than just hatred and violence and everything mm. um but yes that that that's just the small thing that i i do always love about like revisiting bill's town because it's a neat little moment that won't pay off for a long time but it's right. good despite it
1: yeah mm-hmm. okay. the, the thing that you were hinting at uh there are like a lot of surprising like direct references that i obviously i wouldn't have caught the first time i ever played it but like you know going back through it and like seeing these things I'm like oh no they were kind of deliberate in some of the things that they were making references to even if it wouldn't necessarily pay off for like about a year after the fact
2: yeah i
0: have no idea what we're talking what about excited <laughs> to learn what these
1: are <laughs> <laughs> um
0: the other thing that we get is maybe something that becomes a little bit more iconic to the series at least in part two which is the bow we finally get ourselves a bow and arrow
2: and, oh yeah, we do.
0: Um I I will admit that the first few times I used the bow and arrow, I was like, Oh shit, this is a game changer. I'm never using any other gun again. Fuck the other guns, bow and arrow's best friend now. Um <laughs> And, like, maybe within 20 minutes in this game, I was like, ah, actually, maybe not bow and arrows so much. It's, like, very situationally useful,
1: mm. but it
0: feels kind It, is the, it is the stealth
1: weapon. It is, like, the, yeah. the long-range stealth weapon. And, like, I... So it is generally, like, where I start any anything in this game. Like, I start with the bow, and if I need to switch out into something else, I will do that, but... I always start with the bow, and it was like I had forgotten it controls very differently in part one than part mm-hmm. two. Because part two has like kind of like the Tomb Raider way of doing it, where like holding down L two you aim it, and then you use the right trigger to pull back. And if you put down L two, mm-hmm. uh, you'll just put the bow down entirely. Where part one has L two is uh, aim and also pull back. So like yeah, when I so like I, when I hit R two thinking that I was about to pull back, I sh- I you know let the arrow loose too early and it fucked me up so like it's um like it's still like kinda, like I said like with the general weapon that I kind of start with and it's like in the most ideal situations it's the only one I have to use um but uh and it's especially I know I know that like ammo is, is scarce but it is like there is that added bonus of like arrows do not always break when you shoot them so they are maybe like something you can obtain again and so like there yeah. is a sustainability to them um but uh yeah like the uh, way that Part Two handles Ellie's bow is significantly better than the way Joel's handles in Part One.
0: I think. Yeah, I think the frustration for me is like not just that I have played Tomb Raider and other games with bows in it, like um, like Horizon Zero Dawn and stuff like that, but the way that those games interpret the bow like makes sense with how you as because like I've shot bows and arrows in real life before too, and like. It interprets it literally in those other games where it's like okay your left hand if you're if you're a right-handed shooter uh your left hand is the one that brings up the bow and holds it steady your right hand pulls back and when you release that it launches the arrow like so that all feels very natural to do on a controller l2 holds it up r2 is what controls the tension and the release Mm -hmm. and then if you want to let the arrow down um you you bring it back down um But, uh, like the whole thing of having to hold L two to draw it back while also aiming, and then just tapping R two to shoot it, felt just alien yeah. to me. Like, just I, I'm going to go back to playing it this weekend. And it's still gonna feel weird to me, even after having spent like yeah. a significant yeah. amount of time using it. So,
2: yeah, uh, just just like uh, Ken, uh, I uh, I was playing through the section today. Obviously. And I guess that the muscle memory from playing yep. two last year was still there, so I absolutely like let the arrow fly because I thought, "Oh no, R two will hold it naturally, right?" Like, oh, of I did the same
0: thing too. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel quite right as a weapon, which is why, as much as I wanted to use it a lot, it always ends up being the thing that I use maybe maybe the least maybe second Mm. least above like a weapon that you won't get in the game for like a long long time Mm. um but yeah um and you know maybe the maybe the bow not feeling so great despite it being the stealth weapon is uh you know subtle commentary about um, how this game's stealth is uh, is not all that great. Um, I, I know we have a Last of Us uh, stealth defender on the call. Um, but, you know, it, it works in bits and pieces, but not really as it should, I feel, a lot. And and some later things in this section kind of draw that out for me.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I feel... And we'll get to this eventually, but, like, I feel at a certain point in this level, in this area, uh, it just kind of eschews any attempt for you to be stealthy and is instead like, okay, look, you know what? Like, let's go loud. Like, here's some stuff to go loud with. Like, have some fun. And that was honestly the part where I was, like, starting to dig some of the deeper systems in the game a little bit more, and that was when I was engaging more with, like, upgraded melee and stuff like that. Um and it became more of a case, like, how many, how many infected can I take out before it goes loud? Rather than, like, trying to perfect rooms like you would yeah. in, like, Batman and stuff like that. So, um, But we'll get there, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, as, as we keep moving, uh, Joel warns Ellie that Bill is not exactly sociable. Let Joel do the talking and all that. We keep moving through a bunch of different rooms with infected and such. Um, We we have found some notes at this point. Um, There was one that referenced like Tess being the one who brought supplies to Bill. Mm. So that kind of explains that and kind of sets up a little pin for a point of contention between Joel and Bill later. Uh, We also get a note here between uh, two people uh, about the evacuation that was being enforced by the military. Uh, Just some more world building that was neat and and nice to have. Uh, And then we get to arguably like i had never obviously like i've seen i through cultural osmosis and watching my roommate play and stuff like that i know a lot of the last of us but one of the parts of the last of us that i've always been able to like pick out of a lineup is this section where joel gets caught by a trap uh, a counterweight trap where uh, he gets lifted up into the air is hanging upside down is having to fend off infected that are attacking while ellie is trying to get him back down um and this section is real real good like Mm. it's i i actually failed it once i did not i did not fail it more than once but (laughs) um (laughs) i did fail it once just because um it gets pretty tough especially once clickers start coming i I failed it because a clicker got to joel and um yeah it's but it's just so tense. And it's also this moment where I was like, um, I feel like in, at the end of Boston, there was almost this establishment like set up of like, oh, Ellie's immune to the infection, so she can't get turned. So, you know, her getting bit isn't that bad. And then you're like, wait, but if she gets bit, she still bleeds and dies. So... Okay we sure still does. do actually need to protect her <laughs> from uh, like clickers and runners and stuff like that but this was just like oh this was a good segment yeah. I liked it a lot
1: yeah so okay, again like we, I said it a couple of us back like a good understanding of like how they can scale down an uncharted action set piece into a more right. uh, like a smaller more dire situation and it's genuinely disor- disorienting like and it got there are, like two kind of segments of it one where Ellie's first cutting, and she's, she's kind of safe, but Joel is not. And then it inverts it where the refrigerator gets knocked down that, that was Bill's counterweight. And Ellie is on the ground trying to cut you down, but Joel has been risen up a little bit higher, and so he is out of reach of the infected. Mm-hmm. But just because, like, where he was initially, like, you were still kind of at eye level of where Joel would be standing, so, like, it wasn't as disoriented. But at that point, it was, like, genuinely, like, I was having, I was, my aim was off more so to... That's the that's way that they can make these, like, really distinct action set pieces work in The Last of Us' a setting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, okay. sort of sort of like you. Um, when, when like, I got hoisted higher when she knocks over the fridge, um, I had been doing fine up until then, and then for the first time ever, like, it actually threw me for a loop, and there were just, like, too many infected running at Ellie, and so, like, I, I, I guess, like it's it's normally paced so that like the 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 set piece like is supposed to end after a certain time if like if you're hitting all the marks right when the designers are like kind of expecting you to but i was <laughs> i was actually messing up so much that every time like two infected would run at her and would grab her i would clear them off just in time for like another two to interrupt her from cutting it um, and so we were just kind of caught in that loop for, like, a little longer than I'd ever done it before, um, which just made the sequence funnier this time around, but I I can distinctly remember still, like, the tension of it when I first played it, when it came out, mm. um, and most of that still there. Like, yeah. for that first half of it, at least, it was still very much there, and, and like, yeah, it was the the clickers always scare you the most um Mm -hmm. and that's when like the miracle like the miracle roll headshot sometimes like comes in and just just barely like gets you out of it and it's it's just it's the game is really good at making tension that doesn't feel too artificial like too much like bullshit Mm -hmm. um and this is definitely one of those points where like it really hits
0: I feel like one of the interesting parts about this area as well is that it was at this point that was kind of like, okay, we're going to be in Bill's town and Bill's obviously like set up a lot of traps and stuff like that to try and control this town, make it his, all that sort of thing. That's like the apocalyptic hoarder dream, right? Is to have a town that is perfectly defended against the infected and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And I think between this segment and the one that happens immediately after it, where we get rescued by a masked machete wielding man who is obviously Bill. (laughs) Um, And, um, and we have to kind of do this sprint through all these areas, like barely avoiding infected and eventually getting to a safe house. Um, I, I gained an appreciation for like as much control as he's exerting over the alleyways and stuff here. It is Barely enough to keep him alive and like make it easy for him to move around between places and like we even get the sense that like i was kind of thinking it as we were moving through this area i was like why this dude has an entire town to himself why is he like having tests bring him pills and ammo and it's because like no matter what he does he is still trying to just bring a single town into some semblance of control compared to like the quarantine zone. And he, it's still like nigh impossible to muster. It gives you a sense of scale for like what's been going on, how far the infection has spread. And also like how rapidly it has spread across the populace, like the percentage of infected to non-infected. Um, yeah, there's a lot in this area.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but we do get to meet Bill, who makes a strong first impression uh, by yeah. cuffing Ellie to a pipe and <laughs> holding Joel at gunpoint to check him for bites. Yeah, uh, and Ellie obviously and that... does not take kindly to that and gives Bill a yeah. little bop <laughs> for it. Yeah, but...
2: no, I I was gonna say like he makes a strong impression. I think she makes a stronger mm. one on him.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. Like Bill is. Like Tess is a character that we meet before Ellie, but Bill is the first character that we have to meet alongside Ellie. And kind of like, yeah. there's there's almost like a sorry for the kid like situation that Joel has to go through, where he's just mm-hmm. like trying to con like not uh not not control Ellie, but like you know be like be on your best behavior. Come on, <laughs> what are yeah. you doing? Mm-hmm. Um he, Again, he starts acting side. like a dad right yeah, the parental like, side you know he,
2: <laughs> he's 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 like a dad who unreluctantly like has to bring his his daughter to like uh like a lunch with the boys right mm. and then like but he but he didn't get to tell Bill like ahead of time and so he just kind of has to apologize at the moment they're like yeah man sorry I didn't know I was going to bring the kid I also didn't know she was going to swing a pipe at your head that's my bad mm-hmm
0: mm. It's, and uh... Oh, God. go ahead, Ken. No, go
1: ahead, Ken. Uh, I, was just, I was just gonna say, like, there are, like, little thing, like, little touches to, like, even his character design that, like, show, like, his level of, like, paranoia versus somebody mm-hmm. like Joel, who's, like... Joel's been up to this point point like, kind of been, like, framed as, like, the survivor in this awful world. But, uh, dude's got his sleeves rolled up, just in, like, in a fucking flannel shirt. Like, meanwhile, Bill is covered head to toe. And I'm just, like... Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that first made me realize that, like, Bill... To an extent, you, you you imagine that some people that have lived in this this world are able to be a little bit more relaxed about some things, just because like they have an understanding of like what not to do in this world. Where Bill is the kind of person that just does not leave anything up a chance, and that becomes uh-huh. like, uh, like like the sort of like anxiety that and paranoia that he kind of uh, embodies, but also seems very fairly functional. Like there was a point where like Bill was gonna like be like muttering to himself about like various shit that he's got to get done and ellie points out like uh he's talking to himself and then like joel inter- interrupts and just like bill and then like without missing a beat like in in the middle of his like inner like inward monologue is like just goes joel like can i help you you're like interrupting my process this is like <laughs> i am not used to having to deal with a person that's going to judge me for every little fucking like tick that i have um mm-hmm. so yeah it's just like interesting and you know that it- it's gonna be like very non-subtly like laid out for us that, like Bill is the type of person that works, that prefers to work alone, prefers to, like, have the certainty of only ever having to worry about himself. Um, and that makes him, like, even in this, this first moment, like, um, like, literally, like, cuffs a 14-year-old girl to a wall just to be sure. Just to be sure that, like, he's going to be okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and like, we're as we move through so we have this first safe house that we're in where we basically tell bill like hey we need a car can you get us a car and then afterwards um we he's like okay well we gotta go get some stuff you know he makes a sarcastic comment to ellie once we get out of the safe house area where it's like ellie's like but look at all these cars and bill's like oh yeah why didn't i think of that i'm such a moron look at all these cars and um that was also a moment where I had an appreciation for like just how long it's been that like, yeah, there's cars everywhere, but that doesn't mean that they're going to have working parts inside them. Mm -hmm. And like the idea of having a battery to start a car and stuff like that is, is something that's becoming not just like hard to find, but it's, it's a finite resource that will run out one day. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's, it's neat. It's a little bit. Um,
2: I'm not a car person. I live in a city where I have taken trains all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, do 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 car batteries last that long? Even uh, like if they, if they, they were not used,
0: they can theoretically. Maybe not that long, but I yeah. Mean, like I, I
2: never, <laughs> I never bought that. Like at the end, they actually like found an actual battery that kind of worked.
1: Oh well, they did well. We'll get the, to like, the explanation later, but like they did the, the car, the better that they found was from a fairly recently working car. Yeah, yeah. Mm, okay.
0: The the one that they discover was recovered from a recent, a recently running car. Because that's the whole thing is like, in layman's terms, I'm sure if my dad was listening to this podcast because my dad has tried to teach me much about cars in my life, and I've I've learned some of it, but I've not retained all of it, <laughs> and but to my understanding is the way a car battery works is it needs to keep its charge up from a running engine you know it's kind of designed to be a symbiotic relationship between the battery and the engine um which is why sometimes you know if the battery is completely dead you might need a jump start from someone else's battery or something like that basically the engine can charge the battery back up if it's running but not the other way around um but yeah if a battery goes dead a battery's dead um so the one that they eventually find is one that's been recently running which is kind of what they need uh which is also like i think maybe highlights joel not being fully realistic about what they needed from this area but that's (laughs) that's another story for another day because (laughs) yeah um i don't think the the hermit in the town all to himself is going to be taking many uh joy rides so Anyways, yeah. uh, we, we got to get across town. We do pick up a little manual that makes our ships better. That's that's rad. Enjoy that. Um, and immediately like as we're moving through town to Bill's uh, weapon stash, uh, he brings up stuff like Tess. Um, he and Ellie kind of have a very confrontational relationship, let's say. Uh, Bill and Ellie do. Uh, they kind of poke and prod at each other. Um, they do kind of bring up the test stuff a lot as like a little bit of tension and all that um i'm trying to remember all the stuff we basically just fight a lot of infected in this area and just kind of get through a lot of stuff and then we get to bill's weapons area kind of his stash house um where we kind of have it it's weird so ellie like goes off to look at stuff in the corner and there's this funny part where bill's like oh don't touch any of that Um, there was a moment like that in the previous safe house too, that I really liked with the chess set that I think kind of foreshadows a revelation later in this episode. But I thought that was interesting because the idea that someone wants to keep a chess set the way it is could be like an indication of somebody that like is either really honed in on chess or that like specific board and the way it's set up means something to them. Mm. Like maybe it's Mm. a game that was never finished or something.
2: (laughs) Damn. I never even put that together. That. Sucks. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Um no, that's just a very specific thing. I mean it's it's the little things that that you remember and keep around. And that was when I saw that I was like, oh huh, I guess he's just like really into playing chess against himself or something. And then when we got to the part later on, like it kinda clicked for me to like, oh what if yeah. So Mm. anyways.
2: (laughs) I'm sad now. I know, right?
0: (laughs) Um so we uh as we're looking through our stuff and we're getting all of our our arsenal uh picked up and uh bill brings up Tess again and all that kind of stuff and then bill goes on a whole deal about like um you know i had a partner uh somebody i had to look after but then you know like i i need to get wise you know i had to realize that it's just me you know i gotta take care of me or else it's going to get me killed and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, can't believe Tess agreed to all that and all that. Um, And Joel obviously is not very happy to be hearing all of this at this exact moment. It's just like, dude, shut the fuck up. But um, again, I feel like that's one of the building stories in this area is like, it would be easier if Joel was just by himself. And I think that also highlights like, what he's willing to be not alone for basically like bill is almost a contrast. Like would Joel be like this if he had right. chosen to stay alone and stuff. Yeah. So um, I found all that very interesting.
3: Uh,
0: we also get a shotgun. I think at this point we should probably address the fact that we have multiple guns and holsters and stuff like that. Cause that became a thing in this area that we're coming mm-hmm. up into is having like holsters that I had to shuffle things around so basically um you start out with a holster for a short gun and a holster for a long gun and so you can have like one long gun like your shotgun or your rifle out at a time uh and you can have one pistol at a time but if you want to switch to other ones you have to like stop and pull out your backpack as though you're crafting and stuff like that um and that led to some really tense moments Mm -hmm. (laughs) where i was like panickedly switching between weapons as like zombies were running at me from the distance and stuff like that um cool stuff. that's
2: very that's very funny uh just because i remember what you're talking about but the way i'm playing through the game now i'm actually playing a new game plus mm. and so i already have the holsters so yeah. so i i just had like two long guns and two short guns like immediately ready to pull out so that was gone this time around, but like I, I, I had forgotten that yeah, it does make you shuffle it around a lot more on your mm-hmm. first run through.
1: Yeah, I made the mistake of having my bow out for like because again, I was like that is where, where I kind of like lead engagements with, like hoping I can stealth through them. But then mm-hmm. there's a point where a horde is gonna spot us before there's even a chance for that, and I was like, oh, I cannot pull out my shotgun right now because I'm in the middle of like being overrun and uh mm-hmm. that was a not fucking fun moment but i did manage to make, make it out because i did find a pipe on the ground
0: oh yeah no we'll we'll address that i think i know exactly which area you're talking about because that one got me caught up a few times even when i was ready for it but <laughs> we'll get there uh, we also get uh like kind of just bombs generally like uh they're kind of just like folgers coffee cans stuffed with gunpowder and shrapnel mm. <laughs> like not the most like neat uh explosive very improvised but it works and they i i'm still trying to figure out how i use the bombs because like they they are either like they can either be proximity or you can blow them up yourself and yeah. um the general idea with them seems to either be try to clear out an area with them, which I find the Molotovs just do a little bit better or um, like kind of set up a trap, which I actually ended up using yeah. in a couple situations. I used it for that. So um, yeah, there was tra- a time when I threw a bomb at a group and it did not go off and they just kept running past it. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so.
1: yeah, that, the the trap uh, angle is usually how I'm using them just because like they are like, they're set off by proximity. So if you, like, you know, if you it does not land fast enough, you can't necessarily get something that's charging at you. Um, it, it did make some... The, parts where I was, like, still technically in stealth, but, like, uh, like flickers and, or fucking runners were looking for me, um, it worked to throw a, a pipe bomb out, and then they would all, you know, flock towards it, and that was when uh, I would get, like... You oh, know, two so it, out makes, of it
0: makes noise like a brick?
1: Yeah. and okay. So that's, you know... Th- they are... Situational when, but uh, they, they work, I guess, in a few different situations, but they, like they are very much, they're not a grenade like that you would get in like, a, a general right. shooter. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, I, I straight up actually just usually don't use the nail bombs when I play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, there are maybe two points in it. Um, again, way, way later, like maybe in the definitely one in like the third act of the game uh where i i like lay them down as proximity mines but in general i steer clear of them because they're they're, they definitely have like a a lethality to them but uh but yeah like they don't quite work as uh they don't quite work as grenades and the proximity bomb like as a proximity mine it helps but usually you're not really all that stationary in this game like mm-hmm. even whether you're being aggressive or sneaky you're usually moving forward so right. it doesn't really make much sense to me personally to set up a proximity mine right. because usually that, that's for me that's like okay I'm holding down a spot uh, like let me let me make sure that nothing can flank me and while there is a there is a place at the end of this section where that's applicable, you can also just, like, kind of zoom through that section, uh, and we, we can talk about that when we get there, but,
1: yeah. I do think they generally, they're not, like, they don't function identically in Part 2, but, like, there's, a, like, the equivalent thing that you can use in those games. I think they work better in those more open spaces just because you are kind of able to kind of manipulate what's happening in those sections more so when you don't have to necessarily get, like there's not like one exit you have to get through, which the more linear um, streamlined stuff of part one is kind of more built around.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, um, It's interesting. And we also have a weapon upgrade table. Um, I actually can't remember off the top of my head what I crafted here, but I want to say it was something for my pistols because I was just feeling um, like those were probably good to, to have upgraded they would you know something that i kind of always have by my side and if i'm in a situation where i need my pistol um i probably want it to be a good pistol so <laughs> um that that was my uh, my thinking there also like the i want to say i looked at the stuff needed for bow upgrades and was kind of like uh, but also so maybe y'all can clear this up for me so there's like they're like tiers of needing certain Mm -hmm. things to upgrade weapons to certain levels so like i could only upgrade them to certain tiers and that was like oh hey you need another like gear or something to upgrade to the next level of weapon upgrades or something
1: yeah you'll um throughout the game you'll find like these uh toolboxes that are basically like a level up for your um weapon upgrading capabilities so you'll have to have like the actual um whatever the resources but also you'll have to have the level of Mm -hmm. like upgrading crafting yeah. yeah okay yeah Yeah. so i got i got caught on that
0: in a few areas so
2: you'll as long as you keep an eye out on where like the uh the upgrade benches are i i think for the most part it actually keeps the the tools like the the upgraded tools um near those Mm -hmm. so so long as like you get like to them and then like look around for those you'll generally find them uh, but yeah, yeah. So so yes, you do you do have to have technically upgraded tools for the later upgrades.
0: I mean, I will say that I'm playing. Um, whenever I play, I have a little guide open that tells me where all the manuals are because I mm, I know I don't mm. want to miss those um, because they seem like just very useful in in the course of getting through this game. Um, I'm not trying to like hunt down every single pill or anything like that, right. but. Um, <laughs> uh i might pull up like a guide that just says like here's where all the tool upgrades are just to make sure i don't like walk past any because there was there's a point in this section where i was in that first safe house uh not the arsenal but like the one before it um where i was like terrified of leaving it because it was very much like okay joel like once you're ready to go let's go and i was like is there a weapon upgrade thing in here or anything Uh, like i I really felt like there was supposed to be one and i was just was not (laughs) finding it um and I think that was the game's way of, like, telling you to explore so you make sure to pick up the shiv upgrade. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And then when we got to the next area and I saw a little weapon table with its signature desk lamp and all that, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, after we get out of here, um, we, we go over that there was, like, a military operation that went through town. Uh, one of the trucks was overrun and crashed into a nearby high school uh but that truck might have a working battery in it so if we get the battery out of that and put it into another car we're good to go um so we've got our parts we've got our weapons uh we've got our goal uh we head on up outside uh, above the arsenal and realize that we are in like kind of the basement of a church uh which was weird that was a weird moment where i was like huh uh because i mean can you have a bullet point here that i'll let you kind of talk about but for me i was like i wonder why he felt a church was the right place to hold up from like a defensive mm. standpoint. because usually i think of a church as having lots of doors but right. it's also got like a lot of pews and stuff like that so maybe like like was able to barricade it really easily i don't know but mm. you, you have an interesting point here and an aspect of bill we haven't really talked about yet even though it
1: kind of doesn't get touched upon until the very end of this but i think is
0: worth mentioning now
1: yeah so i mean it was it was one of the things that like obviously would not have occurred to me the first time i played through because as you said the thing has not been necessarily outwardly brought up at this point but um bill is gay and that is something that is explained we not not like said explicitly but like not subtly implied in various ways mm-hmm. um and it was interesting. it just it felt like a weird thing that he was hanging out in a church because like the Last of Us doesn't have ne- does not have, like, a conservative view of queerness, but it does, like, have an awareness that the conservative views around that probably did survive the apocalypse in one way or another. And that is more overtly talked about in part two in ways that we'll get to when we get there. But it did, like... Because, like, I don't think that Naughty Dog, like, necessarily was thinking that forehead, or they might have been, but, like, just doesn't really... I don't know. Like, it, it was interesting that, like, he could find safety in a place he probably could not have before the, the outbreak started. And mm-hmm. just kind of, like, I don't know, like, sort of uh, reclaiming a faith that was just, like, a... Again, like, I don't know if Naughty Dog and Neil Druckmann were thinking that thinking that when they just made that decision, but it just it occurred to me. It was just something that I
0: thought of. He's he's staying in the room that the priest probably would have lived in. And, yeah. Uh, you know, if it was the, the type of church that would have the priest live at the church and all that. Um, mm. So, that... That I thought was also interesting because like um, if you think about the way that works traditionally in like a church, the idea of having a priest live at the church is so that if anybody ever feels the need to come to the church, it's supposed to be open to anyone at all times. And so the priest can come and you you can come talk to them at any time and they'll be there. Um, So the idea of Bill staying in that area is a little weird to me too because it's like he's very secluded and he's very like mm. alone but he's living in a place that's intended to allow for openness to the public and mm. and to visitors um you know to offer shelter and all that so interest it was it was interesting it, it kind of that little nugget along with some other stuff makes me wonder if there's like some con- conflicting ideas within bill of what he wants out mm. of life um along with the monologue we just had Because I don't think you rant like that about how much easier it is to be alone if you haven't been hurt by not being alone before. (laughs) Um, We'll get there. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, And so then we we get into this area that was a little bit hard for me to navigate. I got to be honest. Um, They kind of just give you this signpost, which is like the... Um, I forget what they call it like the marquee at the local high school, like where they would kind of have announcements and stuff like that outside and all that. um I can't remember yeah. if it was one of those or if it was like the the football field scoreboard or something like that, but it was like a big sign in the air that was supposed to like represent where the high school was um, I think
2: I think it might have been like a like a football field type sign like you're talking yeah. about yeah
0: do y'all have those at your high schools like the marquees that like they they put like this. This Friday, theater drama putting on play and stuff like that.
1: My high school would have never, ever fucking advertised anything other than sports. So, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, my,
2: my high school was uh, built in where a condo was supposed to be, so we, we didn't really have the structures for that, mm-hmm. but my, my elementary school did, yes.
0: It's 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 strange. This is me reflecting more on my upbringing and being brought up in a Texas high school where football was everything. So we'd always have like where we were playing that weekend and stuff would be up, mm. viewable from the, the the large street that everyone had to drive down and all that. So, um, yeah. yeah, just another weird aspect of growing up around the epic highs and lows of high school football. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I really wasn't expecting a Riverdale reference.
0: You can't not drop it. It's too good. It's, it's, it's too good. way too good.
2: <laughs> In the worst possible way, but yes.
0: Um, look, Archie knew what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say that unless you felt the absence of the epic <laughs> highs and lows of high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, boy. Yeah, cool. so, <laughs> but this this area was, was kind of weird because it was just kind of an open stealth area like you were kind of generally directed in where to go by just kind of the flow of it but you kind of just have these different areas that are filled with different you know combinations of runners and clickers and you have to kind of adapt as you go i remember i got to one door and i was like really excited because i would like sneakily snuck by a clicker and everything and i went to go open the door and bill was like oh shit it's locked um which by the way it's, it's important to know that this is an area of the town that bill has not really explored much at this mm, point yeah um because of how infected and overrun it is mm. um and when it did that i think it made noise and the clicker was just on me in a second and i was like damn it um so i, I took that i shipped the clicker next time and, and got through all right but um y- y- it's
2: strange that that did that for you because it didn't for me
0: I I hit hit the
2: door and, like, I hit the line, I guess, where, like, Joel says, like, oh, shit, that's locked. Mm -hmm. And there was a clicker right behind us. And then I I remembered that Bill was supposed to do something about it, but his, like, AI didn't actually trigger for a really long time. And so, like, I had to walk backwards, basically, into the clicker, Mm -hmm. but without alerting it for Bill to finally, like, go up to the door and be like, oh, I have the key for that. Mm. And then we just, like, kept going. But the clicker was never alerted, which is weird.
0: Yeah, for me, the clicker got set off pretty fast. Um, yeah. And I might have done something stupid. I, I don't put that past myself. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this whole section, like, up to that door and then past it where you're kind of moving through all these different garages and alleyways and yards and stuff like that was really really creepy like talk about ways of turning houses and mm. you know like living rooms and stuff like that into like scary moments i think that's one thing that even from the outset the last of us does really well of just like making a home feel unsafe and right. yeah yeah there's there's like a haunting aspect to this whole situation as as we kind of move through all these different areas um and eventually get to Uh, a large street where a bunch of school buses have been (laughs) someone like turned that shit into a maze all right you don't naturally end up in a (laughs) pileup like that like i i refuse to believe that bill was not out there like i'm gonna make a maze today (laughs) (laughs) um there was just a also a shit ton of school buses to the point where i was like why are we calling this bill's town this is at least like bill's small Suburban city <laughs> like, <laughs> there there are too many school buses here for how large this high school is um
2: yeah the town is really deceptively big actually yeah. I, I I don't think I ever really thought about it until this time around but it it kind of goes it goes for a real long long way
0: it's it makes me wonder because I mean I know like we talked way back at the beginning um, in the first episode of this about how there's um It starts out uh, pretty close to, like, where I grew up and stuff in Texas. And uh, you you could tell that there was some effort made to try and, like, get the way that those areas are laid out correct and all that. Like, they had the right highway names and all that. Um, But this area also, like, heavily reminds me of some of those areas like cities where there would be like a pretty good football team that everybody goes to see every weekend, but it's not like, it's not small town and it's not like, but it's also not like downtown. It's not like an actual like city center. It's just like kind of a suburban community that keeps growing and growing. Um, but doesn't really ever turn into like a proper, you know, like Houston or whatever you want to call it. It's just like an extremely large city that that keeps on expanding outwards
1: it's now occurring to me i never bothered to figure out exactly where bill's town is it is lincoln massachusetts uh, yeah lincoln oh lincoln. that makes sense yeah.
0: okay yeah i could see that
2: yeah there's a i i think there's a, you you can see the sign at the beginning when when they're like on the road after like uh joel says like oh there's a town a few miles north of here mm. and then like you just see the sign and like that cutscene and then you jump the railing and, like, you're in the forest, but it never really makes a point to be like, oh, no, yeah, you're in Lincoln, Massachusetts.
0: Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, That seems about the right size. Um, This area with the buses where you, like, walk forward and suddenly a bunch of runners start running at you and stuff, and there's, like, just an outbreak, uh, and you just have Mm -hmm. to fight. Um, Man. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. Um, I... I died a number of times there. Mm. Um, I, I it
2: takes you by surprise, yeah, because yeah, you're just sneaking and sneaking, and then yeah, out of nowhere, well, like six of them just come mm. running at you, and if you if you do it like me, I guess where where I stealth my way through the beginning part, the ones behind you also get on you as well, mm-hmm. so it just becomes a a complete mess, um, but really fun especially after like you get the shotgun yes, and you actually yeah. feel like you can pack a punch
0: and, and like that was the area where I started using the nail bombs because like obviously if I knew that if I took enough steps forward it was going to trigger the encounter then I could kind of throw out a preemptive uh, bomb and then like trigger it and run back uh, and that would mm-hmm. take out like kind of the first wave mm-hmm. uh, but even then they just start coming in from all over and it's a mix of like runners and, and a few clickers I want to say um and it was just yeah it was just chaos like just a, a fracas and a good way to introduce you to the shotgun yeah mm. <laughs> um and then we we keep working our way through i forgot to note that there's a, there's a section where ellie once again like goes through a door um because also again here we lift ellie up onto a bus to drop a letter um or, or like help us get up on top of a bus and get over an area yeah. again um yeah, just kind of moving that along Thing that happens. Um, and then we're inside the high school and kind of fighting our way through. And man, um, once we get to the truck and open it up, the battery's completely gone, um, which sucks. And then there's just a whole ass horde descending upon us. Uh, and it is just. This whole section through the high school and all that was just tense as hell. Because it was like, not only did we not get what we were coming for but now we are in the middle of nowhere and Mm. surrounded by infected and our one like get out of jail (laughs) ticket that we were supposed to have which was like having a car is gone now uh so shit yeah it's
2: it's it's a really unnerving part um and i i do love how how often the last of us um does, because because I guess sometimes right it's it's mostly like a it's it's mostly a third person shooter, um, with survival elements. But there are, like, two or three parts across this game, and even more so in The Last of Us Part Two because it's like triple the length of this game, mm. um, where it uh, it really leans into like being a horror game kind of, mm. uh-huh. um, and yeah especially again like if you're on harder difficulties and on lower resources um you tend to play more into the stealth uh because outright action just is really dangerous and so going through like the school like stealthily in the dark really really strong stuff Mm. except that sometimes and and i i keep like insinuating stuff about like the, the the AI especially in stealth segments sometimes the AI just like alerts like like is alerted by nothing mm-hmm. like you just won't do a thing or like an infected will I love how runners can't make out light like mm-hmm. when you're shining a flashlight light? right at them or something but like if they catch a sliver of you just before you duck behind a desk like they'll suddenly trigger like the whole hive to like get on you so like when you first duck into that high school and you're in like that dark hallway i actually ended up resetting on that a lot of times just because Mm -hmm. one of the runners happened to barely see me uh which made it just a little bit harder to get through uh than than like i feel like it should have been and the stealth ai is like a thing that improves in the next game but like sometimes right like it's leaning into that and like the ambiance is right like everything about it is just right except the AI just kind of doesn't cooperate with you in a way that is entirely fair and so then yeah it just it, it, it gets reduced to just like another firefight which I don't mind blasting infected with shotguns the shotgun feels great in this game it's one mm-hmm. of my favorite shotguns in a game but if you're trying to play it one way sometimes the game just doesn't feel particularly built for it or or maybe not built for it but just like is a little lacking uh in like the technical nuance to make it just click into place
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. i think something i've noticed going back to part one after playing part two is that like stages of aggro that that, like, characters, or, or specifically, I think, more infected, because I think the uh, the human enemies that you'll have are kind of, like, they either see you or they don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where uh, the a lot of the infected, like, I, I sometimes don't get a sense of, like, do they, like, if I set one off, is it going to set all of them off? Or is it, gonna, or, like, do they, I guess, like, do they perceive me as a group, as, like, a hive mind or not? um Where I feel like the... Uh, sort of like nuances and stages of that were definitely better executed in part two. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like even even in the residential area that like we were talking about earlier, um like yeah, I there's there's a there's a part like literally right in the beginning of it where there are like two runners in front of you and then there's like sort of another alleyway that leads mm-hmm. to another one. And I snuck up to the first two, took them out just fine, even though they're right next to each other. So clearly they don't perceive each other that much. But then I took out the, like the one that was by himself. And then suddenly like the clickers on the other side of the fence were just on me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, sometimes it just doesn't add up. Yeah. Uh, which is a bummer because I I do want to defend the stealth. And when like, when, it, when it's only clickers, I think you can generally get away with just like sort of needling your way through them in a really tense way, like through those households full of them, like right after this section. Um, but yeah, when there's like a mix of them sometimes, it just doesn't... It seems like the AI is actually kind of incompatible with one another. And and it kind of just... It, it ruins it just a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think I used actually, in that same spot, I had like a weird thing where like Certain um, enemies were perceiving me, despite the fact that I didn't think that they should. Because yeah. when I uh, with those two, that had their like that had their backs to you. Um, they're but they're kind of like grouped together. I came up behind the first one, um, took him out with stealth. When I grabbed the second one, the game was perceiving me as in combat because Joel did not strangle him; he threw him down and stopped on his head. And that's how I knew that the, the the third guy on like down the alley must somehow in the, some weird way know that I'm here and it's coming for me. Because I just did like the whole, uh, you hit backwards and next and do like the 180. Mm -hmm. And yep, he was already coming for me. And I didn't, I don't really know what I did to set that off.
2: Yeah, the same thing kind of actually happened to me as well. Like on one of my, like, because it reset me a few times there because I ended up dying. One of the times, yeah, he just like curb stomped the guy. And I was just like, there's other ones here. Like that, that's usually a thing that like, the, the game knows to do at the end of a combat mm-hmm. section. Yeah. Like, that is usually the last clicker or, or hunter or whatever that, like, you'll take out. Right. It'll be a more aggressive animation. And I was like, nah, dog, there's, like, ten other dudes right here. Like, I this is not at all what I want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, um... The combat gets gets wonky at parts. I feel like... So, we're, we're about to get to a part that I... Might have a controversial take on here. So, oh, no. Buckle your belts. Um, <laughs> Wait,
1: we go before, into we, the before we get to that, okay. I actually realized did either of you go into one of the houses in that residential area and then there's like a kid's journal up on the top? Yes, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. that one fucking line about how like pets weren't allowed wherever they were going and then so they had to leave their pet in the wilderness and the dad was like, he wants to be in the wild. Yeah, yeah, that was sad. I just want to make yeah. sure we had
0: that collective moment of trauma. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm, you know, mm, I, uh, my, mm. Use your words. If, I know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm trying to ration out whether I'm just saying this, like, gut feeling versus, like, what I would realistically do in life. If I was faced with that decision, I don't know that I would be able to do that.
1: I... I'm 100% all, like I know what you mean because like I like Lily is over here front front of the show Lily Shepard is over here just vibing wait like if I had to like if they were like you have to move and you have to leave your dog um I was like is there a third option can I go Do, somewhere else
0: due to Ken's editing
1: you will likely not hear all of the meows that
0: have been happening over here in my apartment as my cat has been <laughs> bothering me for attention this entire podcast but um yeah it would be very hard for me to part with poe and i also yeah it's mm, no i would not be able to do that i'd be walking into that military evacuation center whatever with a backpack that was curiously bustling and hustling (laughs) and uh that's that's that but um yeah so back in the high school we go into the gym uh we're about to get up on top of these risers And then a bloater busts in. And a bloater, as we are later told, is like another stage of late stage cordyceps uh, infestation. Even further than clickers, where this dude has been around for a long time and has apparently just continued to bloat. Uh, And basically, there's, even with the clickers, there's some semblance of like a human you know form mm. to them. Yeah. Bloaters are pretty much not human outside of the way that they just, you know, move on two legs and have arms, but they're kind <laughs> of just giant swamp monsters that launch uh they launch spores, which is weird. Um, Extremely video game shit. Yeah. And it's, it's
2: a really it's a really video gamey Concept and video gamey introduction and yeah, but the, yeah it's it's weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so but I um, do like it from a lore perspective that like so, like an infected person could survive long enough to just like constantly it just be fucking growing and amassing into this like this thing is like completely unrecognizable. um, But like that that those weird spore bombs, like the weird like thing that gets stuck in my craw, mm-hmm. like why? Like again, it's, it is pure video games. Like that, they were like, "Okay, we're going to think not only going to be a lethal one hit shot, like a clicker, yes. and oh, the man, and the animation for brutal. that is absolutely fucking gnarly." Yeah, um, I got one. But it also, also like, sort of bolts
2: cool. at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would, it would make more sense, I feel like, if it just radiated the spores, so that you yeah, like, couldn't get close to it. Yeah. Um. Rather than, yeah, it literally reaches kind of inside of itself.
1: Yeah, it's like ripping And then itself. just, oh.
2: And then like with the arm of like a football player, like <laughs> I, I maybe the bloater oh, was no. on the team.
0: It's the high school And that's why he's in the gym. Because <laughs> <It's, laughs>
2: uh, he just flings it with the most accuracy across the gym and it just nails
0: you. There's like an infected clicker coach off to the side like, mm, good arm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Cordyceps tech won't stand a chance this year. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's... And that whole encounter, I... So normally, in these sorts of situations, I'm like, okay, this is a boss monster of some kind. Um, from what I understand, you don't fight a ton of these in the game. Mm-hmm. It's like a very met, like specific encounter. Um, and... I was like okay there's got to be some kind of neat trick because it's got a lot of armor and it throws stuff at long range and it murders you at close range so i gotta look for what the trick is and the trick really just seemed to be poor damage on this thing until mm-hmm. it stops moving yep, yep and i was not wild about that because yeah it like like again like i know there's like video game bullshit and maybe like you know there's you know it's more interesting to just have a monster that you literally have to dump all of your resources into to kill. Um, I mean, theoretically you could end up in a situation where you don't have ammo here and you might just be fucked.
2: (laughs) So that's, that's what I think the point of it actually is. Like, I think mechanically it's trying to get you in a place where you're struggling Mm -hmm. and like feel like you're scrounging more immediately after it. Right. It doesn't make it any less shitty. I think actually, but uh but yeah so i don't know if it's just because i'm doing new game plus and so i've upgraded all my gear Mm. not all the way but like significantly right um i just hit him three times in the gut with the hunting rifle and he dropped
1: oh wow yeah
2: you probably
0: Um, had upgrades and stuff because i was hitting him with shotguns And, like, Revolver, and I hit him with a Molotov at one point, and, yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I I remember the first time going through it just, like, launching everything I had at Mm. him. And I just, I guess I didn't know if, like, that first time around, if I was doing too much, or if I was just really overpowered this time around.
0: Oh, did you have, so I I pulled open the Last of Us wiki, because I wanted to see if there's, like, a specific weakness that you can... Employ. I know they said something about fire is good against it. It looks like fire, um, like makes its armor more brittle, letting like lower powered weapons actually do damage to it. Yeah. Um, okay. but it says the other less effective weakness is armor piercing rounds from an upgraded weapon like the hunting rifle. It, I might have had that. Yeah. yeah, that
2: makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah.
1: it's a, it's a whole. It's, it's again. It's very video game. So, like there are going to be points like. They are still, like, an anomaly. Like, this is something that is not frequent in this world. So, like, there are going to be points later in the game that are not, like, designated boss fights where they are just going to be there very suddenly. Like, you're kind of, like, making your way through an environment and then you realize that there's this thing that is not clicking and is like, making these, like, weird grunting sounds. And you're like, oh, fuck. And you've got to, you know, proceed accordingly. And I think that's, like, the more effective way of making the the bloater... uh, and like I think I just think it's like the better execution of that idea of like there is a thing that has been here, overgrown for this long that is like it's not like a like you know clickers are, are just as lethal but like you can you can sneak up behind one of those and you can shove it and it's fine you can't do that with with the uh, bloater so it's like yeah there's there are better better uses of it later in the game but this point it's just like a really weird fucking video game thing
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah. It's, I, I was not a
0: huge fan of this encounter because I, I got what they were going for is, like, use up all your resources. You know really feel like you're scrounging. But I didn't feel like the main game was having a problem with getting that across. And so yeah. I, I don't know whether it was fully necessary to do. And, like, it's cool to have this idea of, of, of you know, what is the end stage? You right. know, infection. What does it look like when, you know, we've we're now decades into this. So what does that look like? And that's a cool idea, but I hope, and and y'all will probably know whether or not, but like, I hope that this is like a rare occurrence and it not is.
1: like, well, we're going to end the level time to throw a bloater in here. No, um, this is, it's, it's especially the only time you're ever actually going to have to fight one, I think. Um, yeah,
2: I think, I think there's maybe, I think, I think there's probably two more bloater encounters hmm. If I'm remembering correctly, that good, right? but like, but yeah, they're not. You're locked in a room with this. Like, you need to fight your way through it. I'm I'm almost positive that the last time you meet one, you can, you can actually just skip it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. So so yeah. It it's definitely like the the mostly the first and last time that they do this. Ken will know that it's not the first and last time that they do this in the franchise in general. Right yeah uh but for this game, yeah, I think this is the one and only time they do this especially with a bloater
0: mm-hmm. yeah I think I know the situation y'all are referencing in a later game <laughs> you
2: might yeah you might, you might. So I saw
0: I saw images of said monstrosity around the time that the game was mm-hmm. out so mm-hmm.
2: yeah um, you're 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 catching on
0: yeah yeah um anyways once we once we kill that big bad bloater, uh we finally get out of the high school and and get to a place where we can hole up a little bit and uh oh well um a little bit of a content warning here um mm-hmm. you know if, if you're unsettled by you know certain deaths and things like that you know just maybe skip ahead a couple minutes um we find frank uh frank is bill's ex-partner frank Uh, wears a loose fitting Hawaiian shirt. Uh, Frank has been bitten and Frank has hung himself in the living room of a house. Um, Bill kind of just, you know, is just kind of like, Oh, well that's, that's Frank. Um, Fuck him, I guess. (laughs) um, As, as he goes and tries to, you know, see if he finds a car in the garage Uh, ellie finds a car in the garage and and uh bill takes a look and they figure out that if they put the battery in uh, it's pretty drained but the cells are still working so if we can get the car moving you know the classic uh, i mean if you've seen movies like the karate kid um you know you get that start pushing that car and you can jump start the battery and get it going uh we can do that but bill gives us time says well frank's probably got some other stuff here that he took from me so Go ahead and poke around see what you can find. Uh, we can go around and there's a bunch of supplies. I mean, this is a really, like, this is a really good restock after the whole no. loader situation and all that. Yeah. But uh, we also find a note um, from Frank that's basically, like, uh, it's written to Bill. Um, and it's, I mean, it's basically a suicide note. And it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. basically saying, like, he wanted more than just getting by in the town uh and bill did not want that uh frank was like well screw you if i'm gonna get out of this town and i'm gonna go get that battery you're terrified of of getting but also like he got bitten getting it uh so he he writes like i guess you were right trying to leave this town will kill me still better than spending another day with you um and you have an option uh to give it to bill and i you know i did He's just kind of like, okay, well, you know, fuck that guy, tosses yeah. it away, um, and that's kind of that, and that's how that like plot. I mean, like Joel can kind of like you know be apologetic and be like, I'm sorry about everything that happened to, to frank and all that later on, but Bill just kind of like drops it, and and you can tell he's still trying to like keep up his wall about like yo know, attachments get you killed and all that, but it kind of leaves it off on that note that like there's this lingering sadness in it and and i think that's maybe being informed by what my interpretation of that chessboard and stuff was that like you know bill clearly harbored some lingering emotions around frank's uh you know escape essentially uh and now seeing what happened to him it's hard not to feel guilt but uh kind i'm kind of wondering how you feel about all this stuff
1: yeah, I mean, and, like, on top of that, like, there's also, it, it's, it's sad because, like, there is that sort of lingering feeling of, like, Bill's insistence that, like, he was better off alone is the reason that Frank died, mm-hmm. like, and yeah. it was, like, attachment is, like, something that Bill thinks is a liability, but, like, that attachment would have probably saved Frank in the long run, and I think that is... What I think is maybe the takeaway here, even though Bill, like as you said, like is uh, still very much, um, yeah, trying to keep his walls up, very, very much asserting the same thing, that uh, basically being like, see, he got himself killed because he didn't listen to me, like you know, the he has to find like a new reason for things to have gone wrong for Frank, because if, if, then he has to blame himself if he ever like admits what actually happened here. Um, so like there is something that was maybe like even a conversation point going into part two and was only made worse by part two's marketing was that the last of us has a barrier gaze issue meaning like they put queer characters in these games and then they kill them for dramatic effect um i don't know especially after now that part two has like been out and like does things that it does i don't know that i think that holds water uh in the grand scheme of things but there is um I, I also am of the mind that, like, if you have queer characters in dangerous settings, the consequence of that is that they will be in danger and shit happens to them. And I think that's something that... It's one of the things where, like, your mileage may vary in terms of, like, how much you can stomach that. Because, like, I, I think I even talked about, like, in one uh, of our Dragon Age episode, it's about Dory, and I was just like, yeah, eventually, like... Or, like, you know, people will be at different points in their lives, where that is maybe has, you know, a different sort of... Uh, weight behind it to certain queer people depending on where they are in their lives what kind of what their like media diet is and what they see of like queer characters in various different pieces but um i think frank and also a character that we're going to get into in several episodes are you know they were the, like two times as a is you know coincidence three times as a pattern and um I think if part two had maybe been a little bit less careful about these kind of things, it maybe would have been something that I would have held more against the series uh, as it went on. But it did... And we'll talk more about part two's marketing and, like, the very deliberate ways that it tried to obfuscate the truth of that game. Um, where... Despite all my feelings about, like, you know, generally, I, I do think if queer characters are in a dangerous setting, they shouldn't be just as much uh, subject to that danger as anybody else. But... Um, Yeah, like I I guess guess that's kind of like my wrapping thought on Frank specifically, Um, but in terms of what the series, the series treatment of queer characters by and large, uh, I think this was maybe not, like this maybe did not um, paint the best early picture of things in terms of like how respectful I think it it does end up being by the end. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's like a lot of things I have to kinda of like vaguely hint at for a game we're not at yet, but um that is my feeling right now and we will be able to like kinda of more uh, expand upon that as we go on.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Moises, how did you kind of feel about the whole resolution to to Bill and Frank?
2: Um I Bill is a very closed off person, obviously. He's He's very paranoid about the people around him and who he lets close. Um, you know, the whole time that you're really interacting with him, he really only gives you what he needs to give um, and and like you know he cuts he cuts out. Um, and so I never really, I guess expected Bill to have much to say about, um, finding, finding Frank dead and like the revelation that like, and, and because I played this when I was younger and kind of an idiot, I didn't entirely put together that like his partner was anything more than like the person he worked with, sort of like how Tess and, uh, and Joel were partners. Um, and I'm, I'm not a queer person, so I, I never feel like I should uh speak for 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 others in this sense but like when I reflected on the game and like made the connection there I felt like it was it was it was so barely pronounced um that I I didn't know how to feel about it and I didn't know how others would feel about it um mm. i'm I'm happy for the presence of queer characters in that universe and i i do agree with ken in that uh you know if if you're gonna have characters uh in like your universe in your setting where like bad things happen uh you know i i i think that the the natural conclusion of that is that characters who maybe identify um with marginalized communities uh, are are also going to succumb to like the same fates. Um but 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 yeah, uh just more more broadly, I guess. Yeah, it uh it felt unfinished. Um you know, there 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 is that like bill you can you can tell bill what happened with the note. Um and then he'll he'll toss it aside and just be angry. But but also I guess I guess like a lot of stories, even the side stories that you'll find environmentally, um, it kind of makes sense that they're unfinished. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, I think it's entirely Bill's prerogative to mourn his partner, um, entirely by himself and Mm not have to perform it for, uh, for, for for Joel, and especially not for Ellie, who he doesn't even know. Right. Um, you know, so... So I, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I obviously have mixed feelings about, like, how his queerness uh, sort of, like, slipped under the radar, maybe, for people who weren't, uh, like, suspecting or on the lookout for it, or, you know, like, maybe you just had to be queer to, to understand, uh, or, like, pick up on the subtleties of it, and so I, I guess I don't, love how it's so hidden or so obfuscated mm. that like you can't entirely know unless you're you're really grilling the game textually. Um, but I guess like his story wraps up in a way that it makes sense for the character and you know like it's 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 on him to to, to mourn to mourn right. it and to make peace with it and to sort of process it how, how he wants to, and and it's not really in the game's story for like us to, to to, not to not care for it, but not to to have to be a part of it. You know, right. there's there's so many disparate stories all over this world that like can't be told, and so like they're told environmentally or they're told in subtle hints like this, um, and then and there's just shit that we don't have to see, um, and so. Yeah, it feels unfinished, but unfinished because like I guess the storytellers recognize that like they can write an ending to this uh but like maybe the truest one for, for Bill is that yeah, he 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 seems like he's he seems like he's fine with it. He seems like he's angry about it, but really he's angry and sad. Uh, about like his perceived culpability Mm. in it happening. Um, And yeah, I mean, he, it it was still Frank as his partner or was his partner. Like he, he probably loved Frank and, and I don't think he has to love Frank for all of us to see, for it to be real. Um, So all of that to say that like, it's, it's unfinished, but feels like it's meant to be because we're not meant to see, Mm the the longer ramifications of it
1: yeah and i think there's like that is among the various um uh, things that last was kind of like on throughout like i think how different characters handle the, the process of grief is like paramount to a lot of these, a lot of these characters and ways that it's going to expand not just uh you know not just in part one but especially in part two as well um something about that you you kind of mentioned the subtleties of his queerness like, I think, and this is maybe more explicitly talked about in uh, part two like, the series doesn't well I mean I guess this might not be necessarily applicable to Bill because he's a character who was certainly like alive before the uh, the infection started but like the series in different ways plays with the idea that like some of these characters might not have like the lexicon to talk about these things in like a more overt way um, yeah and there is, like, going to be a, like, very direct reference that is maybe more humorous in the moment, uh, uh, and when we, when we get to a car ride in a minute, um, <laughs> that uh basically explicitly says, yeah, this man was into other men. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it is one of the things where, like, you can outwardly say something, but if it is um, better in maybe more, like, true, genuine way to the characters involved, better to kind of, like, paint it through context clues, I think it's just fine, because, like, it doesn't, like the last of us is not a series that i would ever paint as uh being like un- like being afraid of like putting queerness front and center and i think that's you know whether you uh were a fan of the ways it did it is you know very much like on the on the individual to kind of like have their own perspective and uh lived history that will uh, kind of you know give them the interpretation or like and, you know just the general feeling of it and you know that's you know we will talk to various people throughout this uh, season about that but um Person, just speaking personally like, I, I feel like the ways in which they go out of their way to explain Bill's uh, relationship with Frank in ways that it's, um doesn't does not necessarily have to adhere to like the language in which we speak about these things uh more conventionally especially like you know close to a decade ago um I think it works out pretty well in my opinion yeah which when, you know, we'll put a pen in that for when we get into the car ride mm-hmm I mean, we, gotta get we, can, that, we gotta get that
0: truck going first yeah i mean we can get into that right away because we we have the segment where we get the truck going and it's a, it's a pretty fun one where it's kind of like a little cap off to the area where we're kind of like pushing to get the truck going and then getting it moving and then it rolls a little bit and it doesn't start right away and so we have these kind of segments where we're having to like push the truck and then kind of fight through growing waves of infected as they get you know onto what we're doing and uh eventually on the third time because this is a video game uh, (laughs) it gets going and we speed on out of there um and then on, on our way out of the uh the town we stop and let bill off so he can head back into town uh most importantly do not turn that car off we don't want to have to go through that again uh but you know bill leaves us with uh a little thing that we can use to siphon gas from cars because that does hold up um and don't think about how you have to do that because it's pretty nasty. Um, But after Bill takes off, um, we get back in the car and have maybe like one of my favorite scenes so far, Mm. which Joel and Ellie on a little road trip, uh, and Ellie starts digging through her pack and starts pulling out all this stuff that she stole from Bill while they were (laughs) in his arsenal. So she's got some comic books... Um I'm I'm looking back at your notes to see what they were called. Um, uh, Savage Starlight Savage Starlight, yeah. yeah which is um, like
1: started off like it, it's a collectible in these games, so, like we're gonna, you know, come across new issues. Um ended up being kind of like a really cool, cute like uh pillar of things that, like Ellie likes. like once she's like clearly like we're starting to get a sense, get a sense that she's a fucking nerd, but like even like moving forward to like looking forward to part two when she's like set up in a new place. Um uh, she had like posters mm-hmm. of Savage Starlight and it was like yeah I, I love that like she like this sort of thing that like she's always kind of like on the lookout for like to try uh-huh. and find more issues of a like, comic that she started like just imagining her like getting it in pieces and like out of order and like kind of having to like you know it's, it's just like a, a weird little thing that I think about where like she's like I don't know like that that kind of shit of kind of happen now like becoming invested in like a fandom or like a a piece of media uh-huh. in, like uh, retroactively after it's already done or um And you you just kind of, like, piece things together as, like, in things that you might, um, I guess, like, more, uh, in more modern ways, you'd probably learn things, like, through, like, cultural osmosis and, like, know things about them then. But, like, maybe she, like, found a later comic first and then wants to, like, find an earlier one later. Yeah, she would have
0: been born post-pandemic, so there was no, like, reason she would have had to have known what those were. Like, she would have been around when they were first being released or whatever, so... Yeah. it is weird to think about how pop culture permeates in in apocalypse right um i think a lot about that when like there's obviously the vita girl in part two mm. um and i just always saw that and i was like how weird would that be if like you know you were born into this world and then you found out there's th- like video games exist and you have like a, a vita that you can keep charging up and like i think hotline miami is what she ends mm-hmm. up playing in the game yeah, yeah. I, mm, Good pick i i don't mm, i would have liked it to be like an rpg or something because like that's what <laughs> i like to imagine is like somebody's playing final fantasy 6 and like it's something that you know maybe the character is like having to charge it up all the time or like use a hand crank or something to try and charge up the battery to play more final fantasy 6 to see what's going to happen to these characters and stuff that would have been nice
1: i was honestly surprised it wasn't a um uh... Uh, like a Sony game, or especially, like, maybe not like Untarred Gold the Abyss, because Uncharted and Jack and Daxter are things in the Last of Us universe, because we will come across, like, uh, this. And, and actually, next episode, we'll um, see, like, board games based on them, and, um, oh, yeah, pl- and that plushies is, that, like, a yeah. kid had in their room of Nathan Drake and Jack,
0: and. Yeah, yeah, but those are, those are, like, cameos from the studio and all that. Like, yeah, that's oh, just. Oh, and also, and also, <laughs> well,
1: and also, there's also, like, I mean, like, we're talking a lot about things from not yet, but, like, part two, Ellie has a PlayStation 3, and she has copies of Uncharted 2 in her, in her room. Oh, oh, she has yeah. a PlayStation. Damn. Mm-hmm. Sucks that also, she... you
2: know what's fucked up to 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 think about? Mm. If uh, if Sony had had like withstood the uh, the apocalypse and whatever, and continued on as like they are, um, I don't know how that girl would have been able to get a uh, Hotline Miami on the Vita, considering oh. that store doesn't operate anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god!
1: That's, I gotta write about that. That's
0: a fucking. So may- <laughs> So maybe like. Well yeah, now I'm suddenly thinking about like did that Vita come with like was there ever a physical copy of Hotline Miami? Or that seems like, like a game that would have it... gotten like a limited release or something. Yeah, maybe. Was right. it was it like a was it like a download that was already on the Vita? Yeah. Let's see. Now
1: I'm just thinking about
2: that. I don't know. Somebody should really grill uh, Naughty Dog about that.
1: Also, man, talk yeah, about Hotline Miami oh, just to like uh, put um Hotline Miami did get like a special edition uh, PS Vita really physical talk about
0: what really sucks uh you find a working video game console in the post-apocalypse and it's one that uses proprietary sd cards <laughs> <laughs> so you're already <laughs> scrounging for scraps and now it's like you're looking for a needle in a needle in a needle in a haystack
2: no no joel can totally make one out of tape and broken scissors
0: <laughs> goes Absolutely. to a weapons table is like oh let me just patch this up together here that's a 128 gig right there <laughs> <laughs> They'll hold all your Vita games. They'll hold every Vita game. There weren't that many. Um, <laughs>
3: um
0: Yeah, so that that was like so the, the comic is fun. Also the cassette, I looked this up, Ken. I, I think the the way Ellie phrases it is that like uh, she asks if it makes him feel nostalgic because the cassette is of a musician named Hank Williams who died in the fifties and so i think that was just a reference like how old joel is not necessarily the cassette like the medium making him Mm. nostalgic or whatever um but i wanted to shout it out because i knew i recognized the song from somewhere uh it's the song i'll never get out of this world alive by hank williams uh Mm. and it's got a very sad story behind it um it was his it was the last single that hank williams released while he was alive and um he died a year after the song's release um and in fact there uh, i I pulled up the the articles and history on it and stuff like that um there are stories of him recording it and he was extremely weak at the time and stuff like that um it was uh yeah (laughs) it's interesting choice of song it's also a very good song um and uh, i think the other song they hear when they're pulling into the section that we're talking about next time is oh i just had it pulled up Um uh, alone, and forsaken. alone and forsaken yeah yeah um which is what that section of the game is called alone and forsaken um mm. so neat little thing there they got music for their road trip they got a hank williams cassette and there's also a dirty magazine yeah. and
2: this <laughs> was not... like yeah there is
1: that was the that i was alluding to earlier it was like all the things that happened that you know imply Bill and Frank were involved. Ultimately, like yeah. they are, you know, subtle subtleties. And uh, but at uh, this point, we're like, oh, he had a porno mag in his face that was specifically of men. So it was like, yeah, oh. she and, makes and, a reference
2: and very well equipped. men. Yeah, she makes a reference to how, do you how walk the hell would even walk
1: around with that thing? Yeah, <laughs>
0: which is. And the way Joel reacts is just great. And then she like makes the comment of like, why are all the pages stuck together
2: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very good. i I do I do love this. Yeah. i i I love that there's obviously, this is when their the rapport is sort of building up. Mm. Um, and this feels like the the first real tender moment between right. them yeah, uh, sure. outside of like, i guess ellie being apologetic about tess which happens in bits and pieces throughout bill's town um but like this is like the first one where like it's just reciprocated sort of on both ends it's really sweet and it's really funny and i i do adore their dynamic
0: yeah Yeah. um it's it's on such a nice note and they're just gonna set off on the most wonderful of road trips Calm and uneventful, all the way to their end destination, just listening to Hank Williams and throwing porno mags out the window. And nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing bad will happen from here on out. Don't worry, mm. it's all good. Um, mm. we'll talk about those uneventful events <laughs> next time <laughs> in our next section. But that does it for Bill's Town. Um, before we bounce off, as always, we are Normandy FM, we have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/NormDFM. What are you, you can... rapping? Are you rapping right now? Yes, I'm rapping. We... What, what
1: did I we... miss something? I mean, we were gonna talk about the news. Oh God, we have been recording like I know, like I was <laughs> gonna say this, this has been the longest hours. episode so far. But uh... yeah,
0: and I literally forgot that we were going to do that. Okay rewind <laughs> uh, we do also need to talk about a report that came out this week uh, normally with this kind of stuff uh, when it's been Mass Effect or Dragon Age focused we do a bio bit but because like, we're essentially a Bioware podcast and not a Playstation set slash uh, Last of Us specific podcast we decided to try and throw it in here with this episode clearly not realizing how many thoughts we were going to have about Bill's Town so this is a super long episode folks at home uh, we got one more thing to talk about uh, a report from Bloomberg's Jason Schreier called "Sony's Obsession with Blockbusters Is Stirring Unrest Within PlayStation Empire." A small team had big, embe- big ambitions for *Last of Us* remake, but Sony handed the work to star studio Naughty Dog. Um, this is a very a fairly long article um, going over kind of what's been happening at PlayStation over the last, let's say. T- Four to five years, roughly, mm. um, and especially relevant to more recent moves heading into the PlayStation Five generation and regarding the closure of studios like um, Sony's Japan offices. Um, the the key part to the Last of Us, I, I do want to emphasize. I think it's important to say up front that like this is not just a report that's saying, "Oh my God, there's a Last of Us remake in the works." Like that mm-hmm. is, that's a Piece of the puzzle certainly one that a lot of people i think cared about and were interested in talking about but i think this report's really important because it gives you an idea of where sony's mindset is right now and also like how that's affecting the people that work at sony because sony is a very large outfit and um as i will mention as we kind of go I'll, I'll give a brief rundown of this article but uh you can see how that pans out so um i i I'm scanning through to the part. Uh, Michael Mumbauer, who took over direction of the Visual Arts Service Group in 2007, recruited a group of about 30 developers internally and from neighboring game studios to form a new development unit within Sony. The idea was to expand upon some of the company's most successful franchises, and the team began working on a remake of the 2013 hit The Last of Us for the PlayStation 5. But Sony never fully acknowledged the team's existence or gave them the funding and support needed to succeed in the highly competitive video game market, according to people involved. The studio never even got its own name. Instead, Sony moved ownership of The Last of Us Remake to its original creator, Naughty Dog, a Sony-owned studio behind many of the company's best-selling games and an HBO television series in development, deflated the small group's leadership has largely disbanded, according to interviews with eight people familiar with the operation. Many, including Mumbauer, have left the company entirely. Uh, They declined to comment. Uh, It also goes on to talk about how uh, there was a closure of the Japanese offices, which obviously uh, handled things like Gravity Rush uh, and other games like that. Um, Particularly, though, I think the focus that they emphasize here is that Sony is wanting to Play the hits. Um, and, and Ken, the incredibly helpful co host that he is, just forwarded <laughs> me his own article <laughs> to reference bullet points. So, if you want bullet points, there's also an article on Fanbyte that you can check
1: out. Oh, I, was, um, I was giving that to you so you wouldn't have to like read the whole thing.
0: The I know I wasn't going to read the whole thing, I just want to read those words specifically. See, this is why we got to play it takes two because we got to figure this out, we got to get back <laughs> <and> in <sing>. sync. <laughs> <It's, laughs> um, The article also mentions that Days Gone, uh, which is Sony Bend's open-world zombie game, uh, won't be getting a sequel. Despite being profitable, the studio's pitch for a second game was reportedly shut down due to the game's middling critical reception and long development time. Uh, And also following the turndown pitch for Days Gone sequel, Sony Bend uh, has been divided into two teams. One to help Naughty Dog with a multiplayer game, presumably Last of Us multiplayer, and a new game in the Uncharted series under Naughty Dog's supervision higher-ups at Sony Bend were reportedly unhappy with the latter arrangement, the Uncharted arrangement. It has to be removed from that project and are now working on a new game within the studio. It uh, doesn't say whether that game has been cancelled outright. Um, but I think right right up front, right away, I, I don't know why we need a Last of Us remake. Straight up. Like... So- I'm playing this video game right, right now in the year 2021, and it's certainly a little dated, but it's not anywhere near the level of like, it's not even Mass Effect One, you know, where it's like, right. wow, this is really old for the time. Like, no, this still
1: feels modern in plenty of places. So I, 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 I agree, but there was something that kind of like got brought to, in like to my field of view that maybe made change my perspective on it a little bit. It was like. Had this not come out to this report, we probably wouldn't have heard about it until about the time the HBO series was coming out, and that would have maybe right. felt like more appropriate timing for it. Just because, like, hey, if they're gonna put this show, like I think when like like when The Witcher the Netflix show came out, like The Witcher Three was like suddenly like uh, seeing like record number of players again, and um, the the idea that like someone might wanna like put it out as a uh, like basically like in tandem with the show to kind of like you know rake in new players from that and if it was mainly just gonna like if it was mainly pegged as like you know mostly a visual update because i think that was what Trier even said like in a response uh tweet was that it was basically going to be part one with part two visual fidelity um mm. i think it would have been like I, I think it was one of the things where like i feel like knowing it before it was announced in context probably is going to paint the way it feels right now because part two literally is not even a year old at this point so like it feels very fucking weird to like for this to have even been in like in conversations and like that this going to be a thing that we're having to talk about now because again, like I don't think I don't think part one is dated enough to like really need a remake and it is readily available on modern systems. Like it is available to like you can play it on your Playstation five, um with Playstation Plus because it's on the Playstation Plus collection and it it it, it, it is kind of frustrating that like it is kind of like one of the sticking points of this conversation because like you said, like that is a bullet point on what this entire uh, report is about, because honestly, like, the, the sort of uh, news that came out of this that was more damning, in my opinion, was that they are making a new Uncharted, or, like, that they might still be, because, like, that Uncharted 4 plus Loss Legacy kind of, like, wrapped up that series in a way that I didn't think you needed another one in... I don't like. I, mean, I I can make assumptions about what a new intro probably entails, but I also don't. I also feel like that series was. Uh, I I Sony has had you know a habit more than more so than Microsoft or Nintendo of like kind of leaving franchises behind, and that was something that I appreciated about them for a while. Was that like, even though Sly Cooper is, fucking like you know Sly Four came out eight years after Sly Three, and it was kind of like because like, you know, a studio on the outside pitches to Sony and it was like not something Sony had to necessarily um, do internally and it was just a thing that they could you know, profit off of um, it, I was fine with the fact that that series had gone away just because it meant that new things were happening like Sucker Punch made Infamous instead of making it a force like Hooper and that was kind of the way that Sony had been going for like, especially like during the PS3 and through, I would say the majority of the PS4 generation, it was like, you know, a lot of new ideas were coming out of them. Their studios then, um, like Gorilla moved on to Horizon, uh, Sucker Punch did go to Tsushima. Um, you know, just like not, not relying on the hits, like the way that they seem to be doing now, because like the Last of Us remake, out of context of what I think would probably be like a TV show tie-in, makes some level of sense like, that way. But like, out of context, it just seems like, why the fuck are you doubling down so hard on this franchise in a way that doesn't even, like, if you wanted to make more Last of Us, like, if you want to double down on Last of Us, make a third game. Like, don't make, remake the old one. Like, don't double down on, you know, that. And so that's, like, I don't know, like, I have a lot of thoughts, but I, I, it's frustrating that The Last of Us is being kind of centered in this conversation in a way that I don't think, like, I think it's kind of, like, missing the point of the larger report. Right, right. Voices. Uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on this whole situation?
2: Um, it's ridiculous. I think that we're getting a remake. I, <laughs> um, I, I, I guess I sort of understand. Um, if it was releasing sort of alongside the, the the HBO show, um, and and I guess like in theory, I'm I'm not that opposed to a visual like remake of the game even even playing up to like Bill's Town uh, today right like that that forested area before you get there it looked a lot prettier in 2013 mm-hmm. than it did like remastered mm-hmm. on a PS4 but playing on a PS5 now like it looks it looks dated and it feels dated and I think yeah like I, I even downloaded uh, last of Us part two last night, just to like play it for a few minutes and see like how 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 much better that mm-hmm. looks and feels. And it does look and feel a ton better. And so I, I guess I'm not entirely opposed to like adapting it to that engine. That being said, it does feel like a lot. Uh, the the remaster is readily available. Mm-hmm. it's it's on the last generation. You know, it's on this generation of systems. Um, the last game in the series just came out. There is still the multiplayer game coming. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a goddamn HBO show, and now there's also this remake. It feels like, it feels like double, it feels like double and triple and quadruple dipping right. on mm-hmm. the same property in a way that like, I don't love, especially considering the fact that when The Last of Us came out in 2013 there were like conversations surrounding that were like, especially in terms of like the ending where like, if it just ended here, it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was made into a series, which is now like a tentpole franchise. That's now seemingly like branching off into every possible thing that it can, you know, at first I think this was supposed to be a film before it was a movie or uh, it was a film before it was an HBO show um and and so yeah it just kind of feels like it could have been this really singular thing and overall it is like this turning point i think in in like the 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 company's history um and now i just feel like it's being it's 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 not being dragged through the mud but like it feels tired Uh. doing all of this um but also like, yeah, I feel like the the last of Us part of the news and the report um, is, I guess being emphasized a little too much. Uh, you know there's there's obviously the effect that it's had on on like Sony Bend and, mm-hmm. and Japan studio. And I do think that that is, probably the more significant thing that we should all be focusing on but i know you guys are doing this show and this season i guess of the show uh in order to like really examine the effects of the last of us on like the industry at large Uh and i feel like this is this This perfectly encapsulates it right like this studio's prestige and like their work is just like infecting everything and infecting is maybe harsh but like I, I think you guys get what I'm going for. Right. But it's 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 getting into everything to where like there like the the hits that these guys are producing, right? A lot of them have the same visual aesthetics and like mm. bits and pieces kind of that were really consolidated over like the course of The Last of Us and like Uncharted Four. Right. Um and I think you're seeing that, obviously, in that, like, well, those games were, like, mega successful, and so games started modeling themselves to be more like this, like, 2018 God of War. Um, And that also similarly did crazy numbers. Mm -hmm. And so now we have to specifically pander um, to, like, the audience that seems to really show up for these things at the cost of fresher ideas, quirkier games that aren't, blockbusters but can still be successes in their own right I think and so yeah. in a way yeah like the last of us of it all is kind of a footnote but also the these are the ramifications I guess of last of us being the game that it ended up being for for the industry and for Sony
0: yeah it's yeah, um I'm, well my you better. Yeah, my my takeaways from this were like twofold, which were like one it definitely made me feel like the PS4 era was really reminiscent of like the TV era where Breaking Bad and Mad Men were starting to come out and it was like everybody was doing their prestige television, right? Like there was this yeah. feeling that like everybody had to have their prestige television show. And so Sony came out with a lot of prestige video games that all kind of I wouldn't say they're like wholly like the same, but I, they all kind of mm. like fall within a pocket of like these are I, third person action games with but, um, mature storylines and mm. like. like I, I, I'm not, sorry, I, I'm I, I have to jump in
1: on. I have to jump in on that point specifically because that that is something that I think has been one of the weirder like takeaways, like in a way that like. Not, not 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 either of you specifically, but just, like, the way that, like, people kind of, like, lump Sony games together as, like, these samey things is super fucking disingenuous to me. Because if you put Infamous next to Horizon Zero Dawn, next to The Last of Us, next to God of War, they have, like, yes, a level of, like, production and prestige to them. None of those games play and they fucking like each other. And that, like... No, no, yeah, I'm not it, implying that at all. And, and, just... and, 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 and like I said, it's not either of you, but, like, I think that is, like, something that, like, really gets under my skin about this conversation is that, like, or even, like, not even just the conversation, but, like, even Sony's apparent perception of The Last of Us is that, like, games have to play a certain way to... Or, or like, that these, again, like, that these games are beyond, like, the the type of, like, the level of cinematic production play the same. Or are, like, not... No. Or, like, yeah. are just... Are not different, like, dramatically different experiences. And that is something, like, I, I, I do worry about when I hear all this, is that, like... Will that that sameness that I feel like is disingenuous as fuck for a lot of people to be like pointing at? Will that become less so? Like, are like where like where where are the lines that Sony sees between what The Last of Us is and what other games can be that they're like, okay, you need to emulate this in this way because like, that's like I guess one of my sticking points in this whole conversation is that we're like we're having to like suddenly talk about gorilla and sucker punch as if they are being made into naughty dog when i just don't think that's the case and i don't think that the games that they have been putting out even speak to that like fucking remotely and it's just like oh a game has fucking cutscenes; they're all fucking the last month are you fucking kidding me like are you
0: like mm. no my my point is more that like it reminds me of the prestige television era because it was like games are trying to and i don't think this is necessarily even like i i do think that limiting it to just sony is is disingenuous and you're right about that because like Microsoft's been doing the same with Gears of War and stuff like that and even uh, trying to do with (laughs) with Halo which yeah yeah, which does not work for Halo (laughs) but but, like even stuff like you know I, I don't think Dishonored like Dishonored is essentially like to me at least is very similar like the Thief series and stuff like that but that slid in at the right time to be a little bit more closer to that stuff and so Microsoft has another club in its bag for that now and mm. but i the difference to me is not necessarily like you know when everyone chases those prestige things it it becomes a bit harder for like the bobs burgers of the world to stand right. out and so like things are things that are just completely different and um you end up having to go to a lot of more like Alternate avenues to find that sort of thing, and mm. I, but but that's like that's like one part of it. Um, and it just kind of reminded me that like oh yeah you know around that era everyone in games was trying to make a Last of Us. I don't think that's I don't think that's that far out of of pocket to say is that like, the Last of Us came out at the end of the PS3 generation and everyone played it, everyone loved it, and everyone in some way took something away from it and wanted to put that in 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 their own game in some way or take some inspiration in their own way. Uh, I think if you go and look at a lot of interviews from developers, you'll see that like Last of Us comes up pretty frequently Mm -hmm. like as a game that they people will specifically reference to talk about. And I think any time a developer like specifically references a game rather than an idea, that's worth noting. But um the the other part of this is like, the and I'm glad Moises that you brought it up, like the way that this game ends, uh, obviously I'm aware of it, um, because it's hard to be in the games industry and not be aware of it um, does end on like a note that you could think that you could just be like, boom, that's it that's done, like we've mm-hmm. we've done the thing that we set out to do and um, I'm aware of how The Last of Us Part 2 ends, and I don't necessarily find myself like in a place where I think that that's i'm not one of the people at least right now who thinks that like oh why did we have to make a sequel to this or anything like that um i, I think if anybody feels that a game or, or a series or a story has more to say and and they want to say it and they feel that they can say it effectively then go for it um i'm sitting here staring down the barrel of a sequel to one of my favorite games of all time that i never thought we'd get uh coming out this summer uh neo the world ends with you and i'm terrified yeah. I'm terrified of what a sequel to the world ends with you looks like, but I I know that if it sucks, I'll still have the world ends with you. You know, it's, it'll yeah. still it'll still be good, and that's not going to affect my enjoyment of that at all. Like the only sequel that has ever affected my enjoyment of a series as a whole is Kingdom Hearts three. <laughs> so, um, that's the only game that made me consider if I retroactively now dislike other parts of Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> but um, but you have to be Kingdom Hearts three to make that happen. Um, but it's more like the idea that Sony is starting to look at these things. Like, the thought process that's happening to be like, okay, well, we're going to do a remake to time it up with the HBO series, and we've got an Uncharted project. And one might imagine that if an Uncharted movie ever exists, you know, on film at any point in, you know, the lifespan of humanity, uh, which seems unlikely at the moment, but, hey, you know, miracles can happen. <laughs> they finish, they finish it did they did they actually get something done did they have a a director or did tom holland just film it all on a phone (laughs) with the (laughs) (laughs) camera um but like you might think that an uncharted project might sync up pretty well with that and just the idea that sony is now starting to look at these like like the fact that the filmmaking division is growing so much and it's tying into all of its prestige stuff you look at games that's currently working on like horizon and it's just this idea of Sony becoming another studio that's just going to do like, oh, we're going to have tie-ins with all our video games and we're going to have this the broad cinematic universe and like the idea that there are multiple projects and work in the Last of Us universe and stuff like that. It's just, I that's the bummer for me is because you have stuff where like sony bends like the story of the studio having to argue to want to do something original versus just make another uncharted project and like japan studio getting shut down japan studio i didn't like every one of their games but i was damn glad they were putting them out because it was something different to look at in a conference that wasn't just from a franchise i already knew and understood like they they come out with shit like gravity rush and i'm like that that looks wild that's what you just like turn gravity around that's wild and like they make gravity
2: rush is so good
0: it's i i need to go back to it i i get motion sick while i play it so like that's my problem Mm -hmm. but um it's one that i've always wanted to spend more time with um and like even the idea like they they identify that you know they mentioned that they Everybody's golf is another game that they mentioned not wanting to spend time on, which Everybody's Golf is like, for in U.S. it's Hot Shots Golf, um, and and even last week like Apple Arcade came out with a bunch of new games, and one of them was Clap Hands Golf, which is made by the Hot Shots Golf team, and I've heard incredibly good things about it, and it's it's the idea that Sony, in this moment of trying to launch into the PS5 generation. Is going to try and create like, you know, MCU type universes and cross media franchises and stuff. Just feels like it's going to leave a lot behind of what I like about even Naughty Dog. Like, for the longest time, I didn't want to, I couldn't play Uncharted or The Last of Us because I didn't have a PS3. But um, I like Jack and Daxter. And does Jack and Daxter get made under this kind of leadership? I, I don't know. I think Jack 2 gets made under this kind of leadership, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, like, one of my bigger takeaways here, is that, like, whatever, like, these, like, individual announcements of... or are not, not even announcements, these are not announcements, these are reports. Individual things that are being made in this uh, don't make me feel one way or another more so than the idea that, like, Sony has basically been on top for coming up on a decade here because the ps4 is almost 10 years old and when they were in you know when they were in a more precarious state during the ps3 era they were making they were taking more risks and they were like that was what i think did make me eventually switch over to ps3 versus 360 because i played 360 for most of that generation and then kind of bounced off the games in general and then when i when i started like paying attention more to um what Sony was doing, what they were putting their money behind, I was like, oh, they're like I do actually like video games. That's what it's like I'm just I'm gonna buy this cop this this console, I'm gonna play Infamous, I'm gonna play Uncharted, I'm gonna get excited for fucking Sly for four. Um and then like even like the very end of that generation was a uh, like shit like puppeteer. Like weird, like weird shit yeah, that was yeah, like yeah. that did not has not been replicated since then. did not go on to become franchises. But they were like, you know, fun, interesting things that like would not you would have never seen that shit on a three sixty. And yeah. what I think disappoints me most is that like leadership turnover in Sony has been kind of like there's been a lot of it in these last few years, and it seems like you know this is like okay Jim Ryan who is like at the head of it all now, is like on oh, record he's saying been getting,
0: like he's been getting some shit on the social media
1: <laughs> yeah and like he's been he's been quoted recently about like it, like this is in the middle of like the PS3 Vita PSP stores going down. Saying shit like, why would anybody want to play old games? And I was like, well, maybe at this point I want to play old games more because they sound like fucking interesting shit instead of you trying to homogenize your entire output under, like, one particular kind of, like... I, I mean, I know, getting okay. turned
0: into half, like, literally half the studio becoming a support studio for for Naughty Dog is just, like, yep. that's already
1: a little concerning. And then,
2: and then having a Naughty Dog... Franchise
1: pushed on the other half, right? And I think there's also like something to be said about something that I think is maybe like an important context for Ben specifically. And I don't mean to like speak ill of Days Gone or anybody that works there, but like that game took eight years to come out, and that yeah. is highly irregular. And like you know, whatever yeah. the, whatever the case was, that's that's somebody else's story that I don't know. But I do like when I'm when I hear that like that a studio that took eight years to bring out a game, you know that was middling and, you know, that that was something specifically cited that like the reception of that game was not great. Um, I, I, I like, I don't, I don't condone it, but I understand it versus like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if if that had happened to like fucking sucker punch or something well, like, you know, I mean like we, we can't expect logical
0: decisions out of any of this Cause like you have a situation where Tony Hawk's pro skater wanted to come out and they're a fucking, hit and everybody loves them and then that studio gets turned into right. a remake studio <laughs> like and not even making a new tony hawk just being like okay go make remakes of other stuff now like god so, i
2: can't p- they're they're on the diablo 2 remake right
0: yeah i believe that's where they are now, yeah, yeah. Super, i think
2: yeah
0: which i i've got that technical alpha on my pc right now and it looks real good uh they're they're doing great work but it's just like you couldn't see what they did with those games and not want to give them like a new tony hawk and like just yeah and, and like, so, the other point I wanted to bring up is actually something we've talked about on the show before, which is like the kind of revitalization that's happening within electronic arts thanks to like Respawn. And I feel like we're, we're looking at two major companies take two very different things away from the success of their studios, which is like um, Sony is seeing the success of like The Last of Us and, and the idea of it becoming like a multi, like a cross media thing and is like, okay, let's pile all our studios onto Naughty Dog stuff, and let's get Naughty Dog resources in here. Whereas, like, you know, Respawn comes out with Apex Legends. It's, you know, immediately a hit and becomes, like, a pillar in a battle royale genre that's already flooded with Fortnite and PUBG. Like, that's... It, it cannot be under-stressed how ridiculous that task was, and they managed to do it. And then they turn around and immediately put out... Uh, Jedi Fallen Order, and are like, Hey, yeah, we can put out a single player game. Granted, it's in the Star Wars universe, but we can make a Jedi game that's fucking awesome and everybody wants to play. And it's like a good sales hit and it's prestigious and it gets EA to be like, Maybe we should do more single player stuff. And now, like, the influence of Respawn is bleeding out into the rest of Electronic Arts, like, you know that studio is helping dice la like vincent Pell is helping dice la and uh it, we're even seeing like mass Effect and and bioware like those teams are being like okay let's anthem's not going to turn around or whatever let's start retooling and start looking at new franchises and new things that we can make not like not like mass effect is a new franchise or anything like that but they're making a new mass effect game <laughs> like an actual next mass effect game and here like we're getting a last of us remake to time it mm-hmm. up with A movie about the first last of us like i think that's like yeah sorry
1: sorry. like that's just like to bring this all back to like what it was kind of like supposed to have been like the the thesis of this season of the show and to talk about like the impact of the last of us like you know that was mm, like a month ago at this point since we recorded that episode and like i just said it feels like a worst case scenario of like what i wanted to like talk about what i think is worth celebrating about the series if it's gonna be used as like a blueprint in a way or like or just like this this weird like siphoning of like everything that sony has into things that are like it in very concrete ways instead of like a level of like production and understanding of like how to uh like or like like an understanding of like what your characters have to be for them to, for them to matter in the long run like mm-hmm. for, for like those things i think are important and are worth celebrating And i think that by and large, like they did, have positive influences on things like God of War and Horizon and Insomnis. I, it, it is frustrating to me both as like a person that is in the middle of doing a retrospective about the series that had that idea at the beginning, like what I want to talk about, and also as being like a like a diehard fan of these games. They're, like, I think that they are, you know, yes, they are these like um, huge fucking things that are being marketed by one of the biggest companies in in, in the industry. But I think that there is, like, there is something very special and important in these games, and I think that they, uh, you know, there's reasons that they resonate with people, and reasons that I think, and and also, like, things about them that don't resonate with people that in ways that I think are very interesting, that are, like, you know, nuances to the conversation about The Last of Us that I think is worth having, that I wanted to do in this podcast, where... I said at the beginning, like, I feel like the conversation about The Last of Us is reductive in a lot of ways for a lot of reason, and I feel like it's just mm-hmm. another fucking reason for the conversations yeah. around the video game The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two to get it fucking muddied in terms of what's important, like, what is actually important and special about these games when they are just going to become the fucking face of Sony doing some fucking weird shit for the next decade.
0: I have one last question to poise to all of you before we wrap this in The Last of Us remake that has not been announced but has been reported on. Do you think they changed the faces of Joel and Ellie to look like the characters from the HBO TV series?
1: No.
2: Yeah, I don't think so.
0: I I want them
1: to do it because I well, want I... to see the reactions. <laughs> you just want the chaos. <laughs> I want the chaos. I I would imagine like the 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 reason I think that they're not going to do this because I fully expect them to package them both on like a PS Five like collection, and they want to keep it cohesive.
2: Yeah, but I hey, also think that like right, the, the, the precedent of of is days. set by, the, the precedent was was set by the the Spider Man yeah. stuff where like they yep. changed the model on that. Spider Man's face has been malleable because like there are different actors right. and different artists who have done it. Um, I think they I think that. Naughty Dog has always led Last of Us Joel and Ellie have always looked how they've looked right. outside of how they will look now in <laughs> yeah. the first adaptation outside of it um, but especially considering it's like an internal Naughty Dog thing mm-hmm. um, I, I, and, and I think that Sony and them understand that like these faces are iconic for us right. they will probably stay the same yeah. though I'm with you I'm with you, and you know, the, the chaos. chaos would make me feel a little bit better about it, to be completely honest. <laughs> I Honestly, feel alive.
1: Like, <laughs> one thing I just, like, that also occurs to me is, like, part two, like, the general main cast of that game is largely, uh, they, like, face models, like, people that they were modeled after, except for Joel and Ellie, who are, like, specifically made to look like, you know, the kind of updated version of how they look in part one. So, mm. yeah, I would be surprised if they fucked with that but they could They could. (laughs)
2: it's a lot of power
1: uh
0: okay that we're gonna call it there because this is now airing on getting close to one of the longest episodes we've ever done yeah Uh, not quite but almost there uh once again we are a patreon patreon.com slash normandyfm if you head over to that area you can back us help support us if you'd like any amount gets you into the discord uh five dollars gets you the episode early and uh, if you back at the higher tier, you get your name shouted out every week on the podcast. This week, that list is Kevin Kulikowski, Chris Johns, Alice Hawk, Colin, Just Colin, Just, Zach Mickle, The Wedge of Destiny, Mila Hyde, and Zach James. Thank you all so much for backing. Moises, where can the folks at home find your fine work?
2: Um, you can find my not fine work on Twitter at Platon Ranger uh p-l-a-t-a-n-o ranger i usually find i have to spell that out for folks (laughs) um and you can find the work that i am currently doing in terms of my writing uh at paste magazine that's pastemagazine.com
0: i think all three of us are alumni of paste so hell yeah (laughs) um gotta gotta rep that paste magazine Oh boy!
2: I I love them very much. They're very good people.
0: They're great. They're great. And and Garrett's got an eye for for writers who are up and coming and getting them
1: out there. So a lot of like really, a lot of really good people make their way through Pace at some point yeah. or another. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 was weird. Like for
0: a while, especially I think even even now, um, but especially like around, uh, the time when Ken and I were were going through and, and the years before it, like. It just seemed like everybody who was in games media had at one point like written for Paste mm. or interned at Paste or worked at Paste. Like there were a lot of people that went through those doors. So
2: yeah, I'm I'm not uh I, I, I wouldn't say I'm superstitious, right? But uh, <laughs> that's definitely a legacy that I tracked on, and was just like, hmm, I wonder if uh, I wonder if getting in there means uh getting in for good. Um, so here's hoping because i you know i really i really want a career in this Mm -hmm. and i like all of y'all so i would like to keep working uh in these circles so so yeah paste work your magic
0: (laughs) well everyone at home should be following Moises so they can keep seeing that magic get published online and for everyone for moises for ken for myself we will see you next time to talk about pittsburgh in the last of us On the next episode of Normandy FM.